Hello, this is Paul McGann. And this is Jake McGann. And you and are you're listening, listening to, to Traveling the Vortex. Ding dong. Traveling the Vortex. Past your door, but you don't live there anymore. It's years since you've been there. And now you disappeared somewhere. I got a space. You found some better place, and I miss you. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at episode number 207. Unlike the Cybermen, we do have irony here and plenty of exit plans. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. <laughs> the opening of this show is the perfect example of irony, too. <laughs> and the listeners won't even hear it unless I add on. All right. I'm glad. How are you guys? Present. Good, 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 good. No promises my mouth will work properly today. Because it didn't on the pre-roll. <laughs> I was hoping some uh, Doctor Who Legacy stuff was new. It's not yet. Uh, usually, uh, We've been getting it, it early. Depends, yeah. I think. We've been getting it early, but... I think today it didn't. No, it didn't. Well, last night. Yeah, <laughs> last night. It doesn't appear to have this time, because I've gotten on it after 12, and it's been there, but it's not there this time. Hmm. So I get, can't remember if I got on a, like a two last night and it wasn't there okay, either. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you what I did this week. What'd you do? I finished an expert level. Ooh, Doctor Legacy. Oh my gosh. So did Brittany. It was <laughs> took me all really, week. Yeah. Maybe it's the same one. <laughs> Which level? Can well, I somebody turned me on to, and I can't remember who it was, and I apologize for not remembering. But somebody, maybe Time Lord Ben. Somebody in Twitter, I think when I was talk, complaining about expert levels a month or two ago, somebody turned me on to one, and it's the, I don't remember what it's called, uh, but it's the 11th Doctor um, level, whatever uh, the 11th Doctor one is called, and it's it's still pain. My gosh, because you start out with two Zygons, which at the levels that I'm at now is no problem, because they do very minimal damage, but mm. they are in, just monsters Impervious. as far as, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one hit point at a time, at a time, at a time, and it's crazy, and so, in, using combinations of uh, damage, you know, a certain percentage with, uh, I think it's 30% with um, Vastra, and some of the special abilities, I was able to weed them down and get them down. Then the second level, because there's three to this silly thing, <laughs> the second level is a Zygon in the middle, and then, like, every four turns, he does... What's called, I think, reinforce. Oh, uh, spawns out, people? It spawns out a Vastra, who is Avastra? not hard. Yeah, is not oh, hard. Yeah, a Vastra. Oh, actually, Vastra? Madame Vastra. Yeah. Huh. Oh, because he's, he's, he's a Zygon. Which? Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. She's not hard to <laughs> oh, defeat. I think about it. <laughs> but as you're weeding her down, her damage. She just every time she hit me, she nearly kill me. And so in the meantime, while you're trying to heal and trying to damage her, he's counting down to another one because there's spaces on both sides. So if you manage to get her, by the time you've destroyed her or defeated her, he kicks out another one right after that. So it's just that, oh, it's terrible. And then if you don't get that one defeated, he kicks out another one on the other side. And so I think it's Jenny on the other side. So this is driving me nuts. And so finally I got through that level and then the next one is the exact same thing except for this time it's Jenny and Captain Jack. 
and Captain Jack will stun you oh. five times in a row, and your stun the, his stun lasts like three turns. So there's absolutely nothing you can do while they're hitting you except for heal. So I had to sit there and get, and you can't use any of your abilities. So if you have any abilities that you use to help you regain health, you're out for that. So that was, and that's, and I had gotten that far several times. Um, but like I say, it was, it wasn't until I really kind of bulked everybody up. I used a a team that was completely maxed out at 50. So each one of them had two colors a piece and they were completely maxed out, but I had to keep Artie Maitland on my team because he's my go-to guy. And he's only maxed out to forty. I haven't bu- I haven't been able to bump him up over forty, but he's got that thing where I can change all green gems to um, pink, and so he's a lot of times he's a saving grace if I don't have any abilities ready to heal. And yeah. I was playing with the uh, eighth doctor, who his second uh, level you know uh, uh, ability when you get to so many uh, combos is heal completely, like he'll heal you a hundred percent, which is nice. And then I've got, um, uh, what's the, the Egyptian gal's name? Uh, Cleopatra. Cle- no, not no, Cleopatra. No, not Cleopatra. <laughs> Nefertiti. I, yeah. I've got Nefertiti who heals like a... The other Egyptian gal. A, a percentage. And not then, Other yeah, than Aramon. And uh, so just with the combination of going through that over and over and over, and I, it literally took me an hour and a half, actually more than that, about an hour and 40 minutes to, to completely defeat this level. And it just pounded out and pounded out and pounded out. And I finally got it, and I thought, oh, if that's the easiest one, <laughs> I'm going to be in real trouble. So now my goal is I've been going through, and I'm looking to unlock some more of my perks. And I'm only right now I'm only 20 stars away from unlocking the next perk in the perk system in mm-hmm. the perk three area. I've got everything unlocked in the first two sets of perks. Perk three, I've got I'm, I'm like 20 away. So what I've done is I've gone now, and I'm Oops, I'm just sorry. meticulously farming. Uh, Time fragments for one thing because you have to you have them to level up. Yeah. And number two, I've been going down to my level one characters because now that I've got monster teams, I can put my monster team in with one of those level one characters and level That's them up how to I've ten. Level them up really just fast. like that. Yeah. And so I'm getting more stars that way because you're at least getting one star for the level ten if you've got enough time fragments to do it. So my goal is to get enough stars to unlock some more of my perks. And then I finally uh, unlocked uh, one of the perks in the S perks. Uh, section where you have to actually spend time crystals to unlock those perks. I got the one where you get um, uh, healing for a certain pattern because I always use the, oh, the, cross, the cross or the yeah. T. Um, and I always use that one. So what I'm doing is I'm boosting the percentage of health that I'm going in there. So I t- bought that particular one with some time crystals. Because like, going back and farming, I ended up with like 11 t- time crystals just over the course of an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah, just going through. And what I do is I just step back to, to Chapter 1 and just step up through them and just, you know, walk He's through adapted. <laughs> He's adapted. To Chapter 1. Chapter 1. Yes, I finally did adapt. <laughs> so, Only took a week. Well, I'm surprised. I'm adapted because I've been playing nonstop. So. <laughs> I figured that would have been harder for you because you've, you've played more than any well, of us. You've but, probably yeah. played more than all of us put together. But now this week, over the course of the last week, I've been looking at Chapter 1, Chapter 2. So it's now most fresh in my mind. So. The thing that does annoy me is some of the levels within the chapters still say Series 7, Series 5, Series oh. 2. Although I think maybe it's like Robots of Series 7, which makes sense because it's using robots from the television Series yeah. 7. So they're not exactly uh, changed. But anyway, there's our Legacy Tide. Did you guys do anything with Legacy this week? <laughs> we talk a little Legacy this week. I, um, I got a couple things dropped from Advent Calendar. That's about it. 
Having yeah, the color has still been a lot of fun. I, I've, I've got a new team that I've put together and, and leveled up to 50. You know, a pretty, it's like I think mostly 50, and then I've got a couple of like high 30s that they're on their way. Um, and that cost me a pretty penny. Because I, I, my, my new plan... Yeah, you'll get a lot of special ones, right? Cause... Well, my new plan is that I'm using time fragments to level up through level four. And then when I get up to the point where I'm ready to make that next big jump and all of a sudden you're spending like 20 or 30 time fragments to do that per color, it's like, no, nah, I'm using my time crystals on that one. I'll spend two time crystals to get that upgrade and save the time fragments. That's a good idea. So, because I thought, I well, that, this leveling that, up some of my forties. Yeah, this yeah. this is genius because bam, bam, bam. Look at this. That would help me a lot. Yeah. Actually, well, so my, I created this new, issues with the game. This new tank team that is you know pretty oomph and, and and powerful, and then marched into the advent calendar and got some stuff, and I was like, all right, I'm kind of confident in these guys. Tweaked them a little bit, and then went back into series no chapter three. Chapter three used to be series five. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, yeah. yes, 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 yes. It used to be Series 5. Whatever used to be Series 5, because I still haven't oh, finished that one. I got you. And used my tank team and kind of went, rawr, 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 and I've just been kind of grinding out, and then I'll go back to the Advent calendar and get a couple more things, and then I'll go back to the screen. <laughs> so that's kind of been where I'm at with this, and, and slow march of, of, of leveling these guys up. Instead of playing Legacy, I was playing mostly Batman at Arkham Origins still. How's that going? It's good. It's pretty good. It got to a big reveal about a quarter of the way through the game person who's behind everything is not who you really think it is. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> Uh-oh. It, it almost felt too easy. Like, I kind of appreciated that they were doing something different. And then they just kind of went back to status quo. <laughs> Which is okay. And I also got... I'm like three quarters of the way through the story now. Ooh. <laughs> What's that? That was Robot Unicorn Attack 2. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Katrina's been playing with my iPad all weekend. I'm like three quarters away through the story, and I don't know what they're going to do next with the storyline, because it kind of feels a little wrapped. There's a couple... I have to go track down a few more assassins, but other than that, I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> so it's it's going to be interesting going forward. But okay. I've got to the point where I've got all my gadgets, so now I can go and do all the Riddler stuff and okay. sink hours and hours in so side yeah, quests. Yeah, you <laughs> tons of time on side quests. No, no wonder my iPad died. She had like every app it. ever well, open. Actually, uh, mother-in-law got it for me for Christmas last year. I downloaded this! <laughs> Pickleball. How is that different from normal? Get out of here. It's an app. Okay, I got you. What? I was thinking it was a combination of Peggle and something else, but then it occurred to me. Oh, no, no, it's just just, just a new name. (laughs) It's just a new name. Is it free? Yeah. Is it on it? No, it's not. It's free. It's free. Is it freemium? I'm sure it is. I've gotten all the way up to level 22 so far and haven't had to do anything. Now, they do give you options that, like, you can pay for extra balls or extra this or extra this. So it is freemium. But, uh... Because I love Peggle. I'm a, I'm a Peggle fan, and I saw that, and I was like, ooh. Yeah, I love Peggle, too. All right, Peggle. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed it uh, mm. on your Xbox, Sean. <laughs> it's the only time I ever played it. Very cool. Nice. All right, I'm going to be, oh, that's going to be my next addiction, I'm sure. <laughs> Wait, you don't have a little thing rolling back and forth to oh. catch your ball? Well, this is, this is the best part of Peggle. Okay, so you, you, you get all up. You get the little thing down here. On this one, you don't. You get the. Uh, this is I'm the very first level. Can see this. <laughs> this. This is the best part here. Ready? Ready? Yeah. Just like Peggle. 
<gasps> oh, but look at all the things falling. And you get... Oh, look at oh. that. You get, okay, so like the ball explodes into several balls this time. It, sits, and it, it, it spits out all of the balls that you have saved. Left. Yeah. Ah, that's nice. And then they fall into the... Uh, to bulk up the final uh, score. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad they stuck with the traditional thing. Well, they kind of need to. <laughs> They'd just so, be wrong otherwise. In, in, in the history of gaming, never did I feel quite so accomplished on anything as I did when I played my first level of Peggle and an Ode to Joy came up. <laughs> and it was just like, I'm king of the world! <laughs> it is very empowering. It's just, it? yeah, I'm ready to play the next level now. And you go into it and I was like, you know. And then, and then you get the oh, you didn't. I was like, oh, that suck. I got to keep playing. That's but. such a good game to listen to uh, the, uh, Big Finish stories with. Yeah, I yeah. Did that. It really. Is. <laughs> I, did that a lot I kind of. I've, I've made a point of making sure I have time in the car to listen to them because I don't have Peggle at home now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take Peggle. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to go buy a system for it. <laughs> Although I think it has come out, I just didn't, blast I just didn't want to buy it. Yeah, I'm just going to look it up now. It so there's that. <laughs> Anybody else playing any games? So the gaming. No, we don't do Candy Crush. So, okay, Stop actually, I, got, I do, but I don't. We really? to Facebook. I got back and, and into Sugar uh, Blast. I got Sugar sh- Candy Crush. So uh, it's I got back fun. into uh, Minecraft this week because um, <laughs> after the debacle with my daughter running my battery all the way down last week playing Minecraft and be getting after her because I thought she'd screwed my computer up. I, uh, I loaded everything up and then I downloaded the new operating system for Mac Yosemite because I gave it a few months so to make sure they work out some of the bugs. Because you, can't go, you can't go back. <laughs> you can't go back, people. Don't, don't upgrade until you're ready. Um, but anyway, so I had to go in and refresh some stuff and download some stuff so that we could play Minecraft again. And I hadn't been in my game for a while. I got into my game and then I remembered, oh yeah, I was lost last time. <laughs> And I had built a new little house because I couldn't find my old house. Deja vu. And so I just started a new, basically started from scratch from that location. My other house wasn't great because this was a new new game that I had only started like a month ago. Ah. And was starting from scratch. And so, <laughs> so I remembered back about three or four weeks ago last time I played it that I had been at this house for a long time because I had ventured out to find my old house several times to no avail. And so I decided, well, I hadn't seen Ocelots, which sounds, was Sounds like an cats. awesome game, doesn't it? I lost my house. <laughs> there were Ocelots here, and I hadn't seen Ocelots, even though I'd been living Lego in the jungle. I've been yeah. living in the jungle for a while, and I wanted a house cat. So my goal at that point was to catch a lot of fish so that I could befriend this Ocelot and make it a house cat. And so when I loaded this up, I saw an Ocelot, remembered that I already had a stash of fish, so I grabbed the fish, I went over. I tediously, for about 20 minutes, followed this Ocelot at a very slow pace because you can't come up on them fast because they run away. They're scared of you. So I finally got this Ocelot turned, changed it to a house cat, went into my house, set him down so that he would be safe because you have to set him down so he didn't follow you so he doesn't die. <laughs> set him down at this house, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to go explore some of this area that I haven't explored explored yet because I've been spending so much time going this direction looking for my house. I was certain it was. <laughs> I sense a butt coming. <laughs> I got I got off the little island I was on. I crossed a little bit of a river. I went through the jungle, and not 50 probably actual meters from my house was my other house. <laughs> I had been going to the left or to the right. Just for sure that I had my directions. Because what happened is I went into a cave, got lost in a cave, so I had to dig straight. This is months ago. I had to dig straight up to get out. But 
knew where the sun was, knew where the sun sets, knew where the sun rises in relation oh, you, to my you, house. You learn real quick oh, where yes, the sun sets. <laughs> well, apparently it doesn't do any good because I kept thinking, i got to go right. I know I've got to go right, and I've got to go at an angle because that's the nice thing about Minecraft is everything's in blocks, so your directions are really easy to figure out. Oh, yeah, and I kept true. going like this, you know, kind of a fork fanning out in the direction I thought the house was for, I don't know, weeks looking for my house. <laughs> okay, well, the equivalent of Minecraft weeks. When I finally decided to go explore the other direction to see what was on the other side of this jungle, there was my house. So I went, well, I have two houses. Now I have a real house and a summer house. I don't know. Wait, 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 They're the, like 50 meters from each other, like 50 real-life meters from each other. What was the new house that you built um, in, in grander uh, scale and majesty no, than, no. than the house that well, you started it with? it was or? a shack because I was just living there for the longest time. So I had protection at night so that I could go. And I wouldn't venture out too far because I knew I wasn't that far away from my house, but clearly I wasn't. And everybody that doesn't play Minecraft that listens to us has... Twitch the channel has turned us off. Oh, God. Glenn's talking about Minecraft again. I wonder what the five-ish girls are talking about. <laughs> we had our uh, Clontarf Christmas party tonight. How was that? That was pretty fun. Some good food, good good people, presents. Did you get anything good? Uh, Doctor Who the Vault. Oh, you got the book? I got the book. Oh. I, I, have you, Did you bring it? No, I didn't. I Keith. thought it might have been raining when I walked out the door. Oh, that's good. Sean has a copy. Go get it. It is raining outside. It, it was, was earlier. So, so we brought home Keith's in the rain. Keith's got a copy? Or Sean's got a copy? That's what he said. I didn't know that. He never mentioned it on the podcast. And then uh, our friends Adam and Amber got Sarah and I, because we do Secret Santa. And right. then they surprised us with another gift of Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. <gasps> Why didn't you bring that tonight? I didn't. I, there's too much to Keith. carry. <laughs> too much to carry. And I don't want you to give you guys... Uh, too much chance to look at the <laughs> questions. You had one job. I had no idea you had this, Sean. I didn't either until they mentioned it. Um, I remember. It's really cool. The vault it is, is cool. really, it's really very, cool. It's very, very cool. Uh, I, I don't remember buying it. <laughs> it just showed up on your shelf well, one no, day. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I bought it. <laughs> Someday but, they'll take inventory of the yeah. shop and go, hey, we're missing the vault. <laughs> I'm sure There's I, an issue of the vault gone. I'm sure I bought it, but it's it's literally one of those things that between work, school, school, work, this it just kind of awesome. came home with cool? me. And, and it was like, wow. I thought you had got it last year for Christmas. You thought I did? Yeah. No, I thought no, you had it. No, I had put it on my Christmas list. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. <gasps> it's, got, it's got comics in it. It's got the TV action. It's yeah, got, it's got oh, it's, wow. it okay. covers the wilderness. Years it covers multiple pages on the movie. Looky there! Hey, that's what is my uh, Twitter. Yeah, there, there are there are quirks. There are there are design quirks, quirks designed for the quirks and yeah, <laughs> isn't that cool? Why did you break this out last week? Oh, or not last he week. didn't know it was ago. in there. Oh. I didn't know it was in there until Keith flipped to that page. Of course, I, I went, opened oh, up cool. the quirks page. There's <laughs> quirks in the book. <laughs> it's, if, if you haven't seen this book, it's. Uh, yeah, we're gushing over something again. That the <laughs> it's a chronological see. history of the this show, is and there, it's say not all the anecdotes are necessarily in the right order either. It's like, a forty-five dollar book, too. Yeah, Lord, it's like it talks about in the introduction. It breaks it down by year. Every single year is covered for the first fifty years, and, and it like. It talks about in the intro. That's why Glenn doesn't have it. He's concerned that they may not do a volume two. <laughs> <laughs> I know him. He's going to be all, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to go out and buy a big finished volume two here pretty soon after we get caught <laughs> oh, up here. Let's see. Where is it? 
No, it's one of those things that between work and school, school and work that I remember because you know me, I buy stuff in shotgun. Right. Boom. All right, I got stuff, and uh, this was one of the things that I picked up, and I came home and I shelved it, and then I kind of forgot about it because I haven't How had a chance. Still something for Because if I opened it, I would have read it. <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> and not finished school. <laughs> the essays themselves, however, weave in and out of its major innovations and themes. The inspiration for each one is a key event in the relevant year. For example, the story of the Daleks is told in 1965 when their popularity reached their peak. And the analysis of time travel can be found in 2007, the year the narrative jumping blink was broadcast. So it's got a nice timey-wimey element to it, too. Yeah, it's really neat. Kind of tries to tie everything together in a somehow, some sort of cohesive timeline. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to start delving into it. Wow. It is the epitome of coffee table book. Yeah. It is really what it is. And it's a beautiful uh, soft cover bound, you know. Not soft cover bound, but it's a hard cover, but it feels it's got that nice. We're gushing over a book that came out nearly a year ago. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's that squishy. Feel. Squishy book. Squishy hard cover. Squishy hard cover, that's what that's the term. And uh, Trivial Pursuit's pretty cool looking too. You got two sets of rules you can do, a short version and a long version. The, the studio yeah, for Yeah. So I saw that in the uh, first page. That's what Keith got. That's what I got. But not that one. Not that one. That's Sean's <laughs> copy. I thought about bringing it, but it was... All right. Well, you're forg- you're only half forgiven, because he had a version of it here that I could look at. <laughs> I keep looking over like, like, maybe I, I did bring it, and I just didn't... I'm just looking at my bag thinking it's not big enough with the microphones and stuff. <laughs> and the stands. Yeah. I need the stands, maybe right, I can... you're forgiven. We're going to play it soon anyway, so... Yeah. We'll have to put and Fighting th- Games 3 on the schedule soon, It's, it's, a, it's a thick <laughs> box. We are. We're doing it tonight. We've talked about Minecraft. We've talked about Peggle. We've talked about... <laughs> Doctor Who Legacy. <laughs> the, the 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 wedge is surprisingly thick, considering just a pack of a hundred cards and a dice. Oh, is it only hundred cards? Yeah. Pretty impressive, though. Cool. Yeah. What'd you get, Sean? Uh, I got Archer season four. Oh, on cool! Blu-ray. Blu-ray. So very happy with that. I started watching that the other night on FX. Finally. <laughs> Not my cup of tea. Yeah, not your cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> it was all right. I giggled at some things, but overall, I just didn't think it was all that funny. I could see where people could, would see it's funny. That has kind of that humor, that taste. But I want it to be like Venture Brothers. It's almost like it's trying to be Venture Brothers, oh, but it doesn't quite hard. reach there. And I think the problem with it is I probably wouldn't like, because of the style of comedy that Venture Brothers is, I probably wouldn't like Venture Brothers as much if it wasn't also an homage to Johnny Quest yeah. and some of those you know 70s I think that's one of the reasons I can't get into it as much because I didn't watch a lot of yeah, those see, 70s sci-fi and I loved those and so yeah. because it's an homage then I, I can I the, the humor actually comes across in that but Archer uh, it again felt like the same humor but it just stay with it because it's an homage of all the Bond stuff and it, it, somebody told me that and that's why I started trying to watch it yeah. and it's how far did you get to say oh, I it's watched on four episodes on FX one night. They were doing a marathon. They were. Did marathon. you watch them in order? I mean, you uh-huh. started well, the beginning. The, well, you catch no, whatever it was, happens. I was right whatever, in the middle. Whatever, yeah, I was oh, right well, in the middle of a, a marathon. And, and like I say, there were three episodes in a row that were a coincidence. Order, order. Yeah. Not that they ever actually had an origin story or no, anything. And, and it jumps and, into the middle of the story And it's not anyway, much of an arc except for in the three that I saw, they didn't mention back to something that had previously happened. So, and I, you know, it was the nice thing about watching three of them. That was my point was to at least watch three because give you a sample. Well, exactly, and I wanted to learn characters because characters recur. So I wanted to make sure I had a feel for the characters too, so yeah. that I didn't, you know, we didn't get turned off by well, I don't like that character, but they might be better later, or might there might be an in joke here that I get later, and and I kind of saw that coming, but or you know saw that happening, but 
Uh, maybe one day I'll go back and start from the beginning. <laughs> we finally started Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Love that show. It should have feels longer like than sports, sports night. night. And West Wing had a baby. Let's <laughs> see, I haven't watched West Wing. The yet. font is totally West Wing. Yeah. The setups. The, se- the font. The font. The font is the exact same font, I swear. <laughs> For all the graphics. You see the credits go across the screen. It's the same font. I looked at that and said, that's West Wing! That might have been a calculated move, knowing that West Wing was so popular. That well, and it came, right on, it came right on the heels. Right. The, the music's the, you, se- you, the you, same you're, guy. You're reviewing a show, and the first thing out of your mouth is I've the watched, font is exactly well, the same. Sean, but when it's an Aaron watches, Sorkin show... For somebody that watches West Wing and spots a familiarity yeah. immediately, that's something that's going to stick in his mind. Yeah. I, I, I totally know what he's saying. It's, I, I, we're, we're two episodes in. I really like it so It felt far. like sports. Actually, it felt like a... I, I hate to say this because I love sports night, but it felt like a more dramatized sports night. You well, know what yeah. I mean? It had that this same brand of... you need to watch Newsroom. Yeah. Because, I'm sorry, but Studio 60 still feels slightly dated. Even well, I'm though, sure it, it, even does. though it was See, only 2006. Now, I watched it when it was airing, yeah. so I haven't watched it since. So and to it, me, it wasn't it, dated. It, it, it was feels kind of dated. Right there. And Newsroom, it set starts off pretty much the same way too. The initial scene, almost of Judd Hirsch's character going on a tirade, pretty much the same thing that uh, uh, Jeff Daniels does in the first episode of the Newsroom. Okay. So it's very thematically. It's like he's working out the kinks to get well, to news. I wonder he liked it. It's just a rehash of. <laughs> does does, does that mean Aaron? The font's the same. The first episode's the same. Does, does that mean President like Bartlett shows up? <laughs> he does. No. Does that mean Aaron Sorkinson's really not a good writer because he's just rewriting the same show over and he over? That's probably what it he is. does. Use a lot of same themes, like in Sports Night to Newsroom, and there was even a theme, like a little rant in second episode of Studio Sixty that was in third season of Newsroom. Yeah. So he has the same ideas that he likes to revisit. I think all writers do that. Matthew Perry, Aaron Sorkin dialogue coming out of Matthew Perry is great. I I, I wasn't a huge fan of him on Friends and thought he was okay in a whole nine yards. I loved him on Friends. Absolutely loved him, but here's the thing. He's such a different character. He's different. That's what I was was afraid he would be Chandler and he's not. Yeah. And the way he speaks is even just completely different. Uh, Sarah pointed out that he doesn't put the emphasis on the first syllable anymore. Like he he did on Chandler. Yeah. Because he, he would always like say every word, em, strong emphasis on the first part of it, and then I didn't even realize. That. I didn't either until she said it. I was like, "Yeah, he really did on huh. Friends." I love Chandler. I watched um, Night in the Museum one and two this week. How were those? I, uh, I haven't seen those. My kids had seen them, and they they they've raved about them. They thought they were wonderful, wonderful films, and and. I see why. I mean, they're very kid-friendly. They're cute. Um, but I was at work, and my uh, one of my bosses was saying that he was when he goes back home, he's going to take his grandson to see Night of the Museum 3. And I said, well, do you happen to have the first two? And he said, yeah, I've got them on DVD. You want me to bring them in? So I said, sure. So um, I watched the first one. It's quite enjoyable. It's, 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 it's a fun movie. It's, it's very geared towards kids. And I had, a lot, I had a lot of fun watching it. However, it's not a great movie. And the reason why it's not a great movie is because 
sometimes they substitute humor for substance or plot. And oh. so it's almost like they're going a little overboard on some of the humor, but it's a Ben Stiller movie. Although I, did, I could tolerate him in this. I don't like Ben Stiller. I'm not a big Ben Stiller. That's why I've avoided it. I liked him in this. He was, he was, he was still Ben Stiller-ish, but he was, he was, the character was right for this role. And uh, the other problem that I have is, and this is going to be a little spoilerish, so if you haven't seen it, it doesn't spoil the, how the movie turns out at the end of it, but it, it spoils some of the elements of it. You probably know that the music comes to life at night. You know that yeah. from the previews, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, havoc ensues nearly every night, and everybody goes back to their display cases in the morning so that everything's normal. But unfortunately, everything that has been destroyed or kicked over or broke or newspaper or Magically anything, fixed? It's not. And so had they answered that question of that the magic is part of what makes everything fine... In the morning, it would be okay. But I kept thinking, if this happens all the time, who's the poor schlob that has to clean this up all the and time? And why is he and not mentioning it? Ben Stiller's character kept getting in trouble because things were destroyed or something was, and there was no way to explain. Hey, the museum comes alive. I have no, you know, I can't do anything about it. So had they had they in, included that element that suddenly everything was pristine in the morning and that was just part of the magic, I'd have, I'd even been, I'd been fine with that. But I just kept, kept, but they would almost leave it. They would almost leave it alone. Like he'd get in trouble for one little thing. But I thought I just saw this the night before. I mean, you should have gotten a lot more trouble than you did for what <laughs> what, what was left over. But and so that being said, after I saw that one, then I watched um, uh, Battle for the Smithsonian. Smithsonian, which is just a step better in my opinion. Number one, because Amy Adams is fantastic. She plays Amelia Earhart. Oh yeah, I remember that. She's from the wonderful. Hank Azaria shows up now as the bad guy, who is actually the brother of, of one of the other characters in the first film. And his performance makes the movie. He's he is so he's it's it's Frank or Hank, Hank Azaria emulating Boris Karloff as this Egyptian you know mummy, but you know, yeah. Egyptian god or Pharaoh. or Pharaoh. Yeah, thank you. And he does Boris Karloff. I mean, he needs to do a Boris Karloff uh, biopic because he's dead <laughs> on. Oh, my gosh. He's spot on as Boris Karloff. Anyway, so that's quite enjoyable. But to make things even worse, this takes place in one night. The premise is Ben Stiller has to go rescue the exhibits that have been moved to the Smithsonian because they've been basically uh, mothballed. <laughs> At the Smithsonian. So he has to break into the Smithsonian, spends the night trying to get a device back that brings them to life. That's the premise of it. And unfortunately, there's this huge battle that goes on with this Egyptian pharaoh. And after it's done and everything wraps up all nicely, what's in the front forefront of my mind? They just destroyed the Smithsonian <laughs> with this battle. There's windows that are crashed. Abe Lincoln has, from the Lincoln Monument, has crashed through a window. And he just leaves. So there's nobody to clean it up this time. And I, my, and I would have enjoyed the movie had I not been... I, the, the ending of the movie was lost because I'm sitting there going, who's going to clean up the Smithsonian? <laughs> there I mean, wasn't so a post credit scene with a guy with a mop going, oh No, I, I fast-forwarded to see if there was any <laughs> That would have been the greatest and, gag at the end of the movie. Uh, but it's got it's got tons of cameos of people. And in fact, I thought that... Um, which, you know, Owen Wilson's always going to be in a film with Ben Stiller. It's just we accept that now. I really thought, though, his role from the from the previews was going to be real... Oh, sorry, I'm small. Almost said small, but he's small. He's a little cowboy. Um, I thought it was going to be a minor role, but he's actually a pretty significant part of both films. Oh. Yeah, so... Um, and Darth Vader. Darth Vader's in it. Uh, That's why he liked the Oscar second one. Oscar Crouch. <laughs> Oscar Crouch is in it. 
mean, it's 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 cute again, fun. But there was just that one underlining element that ruined everything for me because how do you clean this? On thing? the bright side, Battle for, uh, Battle for the Smithsonian, same font. <laughs> well, they should because it it's a sequel. And so I am going to now because my kids love it so much. <laughs> you go watch West Wing and then go watch <laughs> Studio Sixty, and you're going to see I, what I mean. Uh, you know, in, 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 in all fairness, I'm a big enough Star Trek geek that when each new series started, you know, when Voyager came on in the pilot episode, it came up as that Star Trek Voyager. I went, I know what font that is. You're using the movie font. You're not using the next gen font, see? which I appreciate. And then I, I didn't ever tell anybody that, but I. I, I didn't know. It's it. just one of the small West Wing notices. Anyway, when uh, Secret, from Secret of the Tomb comes out, we'll go see that now. Now you can go as a family. Me. That's right. Now I'm caught up. But you were concerned. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be bothered by the, the fact that whatever the London Museum that they're going to end up <laughs> the, is going to be The wheels destroyed. of your mind are just... <laughs> there's, a, there's an ancient tablet that's magical that brings things to life. Accepted. Nothing gets cleaned up at the museum. I have huge problems with this movie. <laughs> because had it been part of the magical tablet, it would have been fine. Because you already explained. There was a reason. that the, It didn't, didn't matter that I had to stretch my imagination that there was a magical tablet that brought things to life. That's there. It's it's front and center. It's, they, this, okay, you're going to have to suspend some belief here because this is what happens. Okay, fine. I'm fine with that. Museum's destroyed. Um, oh, we're going to well. show you that it was destroyed, but we're not going to tell you what happened afterward. Or how we got cleaned up the next day. Now, granted, there was a, I guess there was a middle credit scene that explained a little bit of cleanup. <laughs> and I won't say anything about it, but explained some of the cleanup, which was actually quite comical. Oh, and Mickey Rooney, uh, who oh. just passed recently, is in this film. Is in the first film. Dick Van Dyke oh. is in this first film. And I can't tell you. Oh, there's another guy, an uh, older guy that I can't remember, or another older guy that I can't remember his name, but he's a great actor. I've seen a lot of things. Uh, African-American comedian, and I can't remember his name. But I can't tell you anymore because I'd ruin a lot of stuff with those yeah. guys. So. <laughs> the uh, part of the second one that I thought was very, very cleverly cool, like just awesomely used, at one point they're hiding from the, the, the armies of the pharaoh because he's recruiting. He's getting ready to take over. And so they're hiding. And so they jump into a painting. Oh, yeah, that was neat. And that was it's, cool. You know, life, it's, it's the kiss for, that's on was on uh, oh, okay. iconic cover of Life magazine. Yeah. The, the, the World War II ends and the guys there with yeah. the girl on the cover. They jump into that cover and there's a whole, like... You're in another the 3D world, world yeah. of oh, wow. the street goes all the way back, and all of those people are there, and they interact with the people on the cover. Just I thought, well, it was wrong. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a neat way to introduce that idea. Yeah, that, that <laughs> alone was, was a, it. Was a neat way to introduce that idea because when they walk into the gallery where there's paintings on the wall, and he sees every, like the people moving, and there's people in one painting. It's like an old like fresco paint, not even fresco. It's old watercolor painting or something. And there's people, and they're like scurrying and running, and he's like. Oh, don't be afraid because he thinks they're afraid of him because he's this giant. And, and he goes, well, this is new. This is a new thing. And I was like, it is. And they added something, <laughs> another element to Clever. this whole idea. Yeah, and, it was, it was of course, cool. they weren't running from him. They were running from Pharaoh's army who was coming from behind and they didn't realize it. But. Huh. Al Capone. Uh-huh. Uh, Alexander the Terrible. <laughs> played by Christopher Guest, which took me a long time oh. to figure out who was. I was like, he looks so familiar. He looks so... Of course, you know, he's in full, you know, beard and hair yeah. and makeup. And then I was like, oh, that's Christopher Guest. That's Count Rogan, the six-fingered man. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, Napoleon. <laughs> the, 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 the villain heavies in this were really, really, really well done. 
I, was, I, was, I quite enjoyed them. The Tuskegee Airmen show up and help out. It was, it, there's, it, there's a lot of wonderful things in it. I, the second one is much better. Than I really don't know what's I'll going on here. Your, 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 your magic, your asthmatic. Kazarian <laughs> <laughs> was so funny. I think I remember that. That was a trailer to Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the best. Movie. I just had hoped to hear James Earl Jones, Jones do the voice, but he just sits there and breathes. He doesn't do anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's kind of a couple of guys that want to join <laughs> Join the villains. Okay, bring them in. It's the favor. Oscar the Crouch. I think contractually, they're they're probably obligated that anytime Darth Vader shows up in a non-Star Wars film, it's just no dialogue. It's just the image. It's just the image and the breathing. Because they did that with uh, the Indian in the cupboard too. When the Darth Vader toy came alive, it was just you know, oh, it's Darth Vader, and he didn't do anything. (laughs) Anyway. But nobody cleans up the museum. Nobody cleans up the museum. <laughs> I watched, uh, watched another movie. Anybody else got a movie they want to talk about? We just watched Muppet Christmas Carol today. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Should we talk about um, Dawn of the Planet of the Yeah! Yes. Finally watched it. Keith got his Blu-ray copy to me. After I... That's what, that's the thing I forgot to mention last week, was I devoured everything <laughs> but commentary on the Blu-ray last week. Watched it Monday. I, and I will <laughs> say... That this movie makes Tim Burton's movie look like Citizen Kane or Casablanca or what? Yeah, I mean this movie pales in comparison to even the Tim Burton. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was quite enjoyable. <laughs> no, I haven't. He started up. that off when I was waiting for the shoe to drop. It was like he's got a gag here. <laughs> No, that was no, the game. wait, I'm reading it backwards. <laughs> what? It was, it At was, first, my, it was my brain automatically translated it to, compared to Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes, this is Citic no, that's, that's where I went with it. It's like, okay, any moment now, oh, this will make sense. Uh, no, it was, it was It's it was like good. there's a talking a monkey in the room, and I can't quite understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and, and I just told you guys this before when we first got together tonight. I still like Rise better. But it's hard to compare these two films because the, the they're so drastically the mood, yeah, different. Yeah, they really are. Well, and I think I enjoyed watching Rise better than Dawn. <laughs> Dawn is a, a really good movie. Rise is a bit more fun if you could want to put well, that got a lot word of, on it's it. It's got more light. Moments yeah, this to is it, such a heavy, heavy, heavy story. Um, this is it, it is it is one of those films. I think it, I, I think Dawn's a better made film. I think if you want to compare film. Well, I this, think, this, this, this I, to me is a film versus Rise, which is a movie. But I agree. I enjoy watching Rise more than I, I will I think enjoy that, watching that is Dawn. Because, that's out of necessity because of Dawn is such more of a visual movie. Yeah. And, and yeah. much better that way. Yeah. yeah so. Different storytelling. Well, and the, another difference is as Planet of the Apes fans, we watch Rise and get a lot of squeeze because of all the references in it. Dawn, there's one. No, 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 no. You're absolutely wrong. No, you're right. You're absolutely 100% right, except for I'll take it one step further. Dawn parallels Dawn thematically. Yeah. Dawn, Dawn thematically has themes. It's not the like, nudge, nudge, hey, yeah, look at that. That's just it. It's Rise real fans had, have to notice this. Rise had moments that were like squee moments, like you said. They were and Charlton Rise, on the TV. They're the exactly. damn dirty apes. Rise, the 3D but, puzzle but also of the Statue Rise, of Liberty. Rise has this, like... Very minute parallel to um, conquest, not conquest. What was the one? Yeah, conquest of the planet. No, yeah, a little what bit. Was the, the fourth movie, conquest. 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 Okay, has has some 
thematically has some emulation to that. Yeah. This, it's bold it's in battle. your face that this is battle. It's and just, done. I mean, it's, it's obviously the way battle should have done. done. Yeah, that, then that's, <laughs> that's what I was coming to next is, this is how bad, I kept looking at this going, oh, battle would have been so much better if they'd done this. Yeah. yeah. It's, they, they took a lot of there were, cues from Battle of Planet of the Apes. So somebody, somebody like me watched that and went, well, I can make this better. Having, li- having listened to the documentary, <laughs> The, the or the the commentary the director actually became the Planet of the Apes through the TV show. Oh, is that right? <laughs> and really? then discovered the movies because the TV show was on TV, so we watched it on TV, and then went to the movies and fell in love with it. And everybody who's involved in it pretty much loved Planet of the Apes. Judy Greer is in it because her 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 and her husband had this great connection to it, and that's how they met, etc. Uh, Michael Giacchino, who did the music was a huge Planet of the Apes fan, and so he begged and begged to work on it. Now that Rise was a success, they were able to get more <laughs> they of They went, hey, we know, <laughs> yeah. we know the next one's going to probably do well. And I didn't know this until Friday Night Who, when I looked up to make sure I had a quote right that I was tweeting to um, James. The baby, his name is Milo. Oh, is that right? Yeah. yeah that's kind of cool. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I had I, hoped that Blue Eyes... His name was Cornelius. I had hoped that I they would reveal that, too, that but they didn't. It was just Blue Eyes is a nice reference to Bright Eyes. Right. Yeah. Such a good movie. It was really good. I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, and again, there was... Uh, the, that's the thing is, the, 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 the you had squee moments in Rise. The whole There's a whole chunk of Dawn that is just... You're squeeing the whole time because you're going, this is so much like battle. But well, it's so much better but, than battle. And it's... <laughs> are, you, are you talking when they actually go to battle? No, no, I'm talking about structurally okay. this whole thing. Yeah. Emulate it's not it's not the story. It's not battle. But it, it structurally emulates and paces well, just the, like one battle. of the things it's I battle, love about they go it. to the, the the abandoned city. You know, and they, they send out the exploratory force and Caesar goes to the exploratory city to find out what's going on. And you, you get kind of that scene in dawn when they're they're, they're they you know, go and make their stand the, locations are swapped. Yeah, yeah, it, but, you know, so, but but the beats the are all yeah, there of da, 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 and then war. It you really know, is. And yeah. One of the things I loved was how they handled war in it. It's done not like most summer blockbuster films of yeah, this is great, this is wonderful. It really shows the trauma of and really helps Blue Eyes's progression throughout the story, showing oh wait, this isn't as great as Koba made it out to be. Yeah, it's not. Everything that's wonderful, Agreed. and Agreed. look at how many of our really well. yeah, so it well was, done. It, it, because as we we saw the clips of it in the trailers, and I was a little worried, especially as the movie progressed and how serious of a tone it was. I thought, oh no, is it going to fall apart in the third act when the when the big action starts coming? And it didn't. That's the thing too: is the battle is such a small part of this. Yeah, such yeah. a small part. Well, of this. and if I I really paid close attention watching my fourth viewing on the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> the timing of how it is, and it's about the actual battle happens about an hour into this two-hour movie. Yeah, yeah. it's halfway right. through the film, and it doesn't feel like it because so much has happened. Yeah, yeah. it's almost it's done. This is the thing: it's great storytelling. Is okay. We've set Koba up to be the bad guy. There's some spoilers. You, spoilers coming here. By the I, way, I don't think they've even but set Koba no, up to be the bad guy. Everybody fact, is they, so they understandable. Me. They shocked me with. Actually, they they did it well, but they shocked me with the beginning how much, how close a relationship that Caesar right. has. And well, there's a deleted scene that even shows more. That would have that, been that's a what great was so great moment. about it is that you know Koba's on board. Koba's one of the guys. Koba's this. Koba's and then all of a sudden Koba's the bad guy, and you're like, 
Oh. But, but, but and, it shows and, and a nice... It does. It does a nice spiral no, 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 downward. I, no, I, I agree. It, I agree. It, it, but, it transitions so well. It's not a night and day. It's not it, like a coming, it's, coming it's from, not like Anakin. Coming from battle and recognizing that that's what they're doing and then going... Okay, this is the he's the ape general. He's he's the, yeah. the gorilla yeah. that's going to cause all the problems. It's Koba, and how genuinely heartbreaking it was it's the, yeah. to get to that moment where he yes. is the villain of the piece, and it's like, oh man, I liked you. That's the sudden, and this is going to kill Caesar. That's the yeah. This is just going to Sean. That's the suddenness that you're trying to say. Yeah, is the the moment you realized, oh my gosh, the heartbreak is is sudden. Because the transition is wonderful. Yeah, no, the yeah. heartbreak. You're right. Yeah. Is is that 360? Oh man! And even the humans are fleshed out well enough that I don't hate them. Uh, Dreyfus <laughs> could have been fleshed out a little bit more to make him a better vi- uh, like a better character and not as much of a villain. Why do you keep bringing him back to the? Uh, that's the guy that shot the ape at first. No, that, no, Dreyfus is. Uh, oh, oh, Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. That's yeah. right. Who is the guy uh, that the, they? The bleep. <laughs> when, the when, blank hole. Yeah, when, the blank hole. <laughs> Self-reference. When he, he, he sets this whole problem up, and then they bring him back. And I'm well, like, why did you? Uh, in fact, they were on their way back out there to, to convince Caesar to let him fix the dam. And I'm sitting there going, well, hopefully they didn't bring that jerk. Oh, no, there he well, is. Well, there's a line in <laughs> that uh, Carrie Russell gives when he's packing up his bag. You're you're not you're really taking him back, and he gives a line. He's the only one that he worked at the dam. He's the only one that knows how it works. Here's and the, that's the that I was okay with it. Here's the problem. I would have liked though. a little stronger. It could have been better. You're right. But, he did, but the only problem with that is he hardly did anything. If well, they just shown him working on something, I'd have yeah. gone, okay, I can see why they brought him back. No, he didn't join him doing a dang thing. They, they but didn't follow another they gun. Didn't, in. They didn't follow through with that. That line I, want, I, I almost wonder maybe if they repurposed some of his dialogue and gave it to the other guy just to kind of build up the hero status for him oh, a little yeah, bit more. Yeah. You know that I don't know. Have you guys watched the Honest trailer? Jonathan Clark was that the Jason Clark. Jason, Jason Clark. Clark. Yeah. I, is, what's he in? I haven't seen anything. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, I guess I'd heard that he was in that. Um, I haven't seen Great Gatsby. Yeah, see, I haven't seen that either. Uh, there's another one that's coming out. I looked at his IMDb, and he's he apparently did a lot of television before too that I had never watched. He's an up and comer. Yeah, he is an up and comer, and he did a fine job. He was pretty good. I did watch the Honest trailer, and I, and I, and I did Gary laugh. At barely it. in it though. That surprised the heck yeah. out of me. Yeah, I did laugh at it, but I also laughed from the standpoint that wow, you guys are really he's stretching. He's going to be John Carter in Terminator. Oh. John okay. Uh, no, John Connor. Connor. John, John Connor. Connor. Yes. Yeah. John, not John Connor. <laughs> you said that, and I got excited for a second. I went, "Do it another John Connor?" <laughs> Sorry, John Connor. Good movie. Anyway, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, yeah. It's a favorable mention. Now, I the, will the say, the trailer was stretching. It is not the find best. Issues. It is not the best film of of two thousand. What are we in? Fourteen. I, there's films that I enjoyed much much more. I mean, Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Uh, Transformers: Age of Extinction. <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> Sean's gonna punch you now. Big, Big Hero Six, I think, is a much better Twitch, movie. Twitch, Twitch. Captain America: Winter Soldier was a better movie, but that, that's mm. uh, this one was better than Godzilla. I'll give that. <laughs> of all the big blockbuster films I saw this year, it was better than Godzilla. Was the it? Thinking Man's summer blockbuster film. Yeah, it wasn't better than Captain America. It was better than Captain America. Better than all of them. And then Guardians, oh, we know where you and then Captain America. 
Same thing though. I, I can't. I don't know that I can necessarily put that list together because I, you know, I had a much better time watching Guardians. Guardians is a much more enjoyable. It's a, it's film. a lot more of a fun film. That's for sure. You know, Although the, I can the, rewatch Don, but Don, Don just flat, every scene in that movie was well put together. I mean, it, it's just an well, all around good movie. If I were going to nitpick it, it would be. I don't think the apes look that great. I think you, you pointed out that the, the CGI has come so far. I think it's a gorillas and the ring. I can't remember what the ring thing's name. Maurice. Maurice. Look phenomenal. They look so good. I still think the chimps look fake. <laughs> that sounds like a, a joke line from somewhere. I just, they're not quite there for me yet. Not quite. There I think they're, they're, they're much better than rise. Ash looked good as a chimp, but all the, now I, I agree. The CGI was better. Well, than rise, the, the but, problem I think is a lot of it, so much more, the, the, the actors it's, it's the, the uncanny, well, it's well, the uncanny valley that. element of it, and I recognize that because they're trying to give them humanistic traits, and in order to do that, you you, have you to, just you immediately have to adjust them. A yeah, your bit. your yeah. brain immediately adjusts it from from a chimp, and so that's now, the problem. Is if they could have, I mean, I, you could still see a lot of the blur, the motion blur on them. You could there, still I, see I know, in the in the initial uh, hunt scene on Blu-ray, I could notice that okay. You can kind of tell their CGI there. Well, the, but it's then because the, the story also sucks with, me in far enough that I can overlook. They're going with quantity over quality there, though. Yeah, because that's you, true. You can't a lot go in more. there and paint. See, I, I, I only dissected two scenes. I haven't watched it on Blu-ray yet. Um, Which is gorgeous on Blu-ray. The, the only gorgeous. two scenes in the theater that I could really nitpick the effects on was the little tiny baby chimp. That one was that was when, the when worst. it kind of walked yeah, down the thing. That that looked bad. But okay, I'll let it go. Yeah, you. And then and the way um, they shot everything else, you can't put a baby was and one do that shot. So. Well, uh, even when they were carrying, like Caesar and the mom were carrying the baby. Yeah, still. it was now, the, yeah, the walking is the them. one that really bothered me. But there's one shot when the war starts where one of the chimps kind of swings and he, he he jumps from power line to power line to power line overhead up onto the balcony. And there's machine guns and stuff. And there was I don't know what it was, but there was something about yeah. that one scene. It was like that reminded me everything else. I was that reminded with. me of a lot of the bridge scene in uh, the first film that bothered me as well because it, it, yeah. it in fact it almost got down to Jumanji levels for me in the bridge the bridge oh, scene. No, in the first no I'm the Jumanji levels. Anyway, good stuff. Yes. Let's talk some who. Enough of you. Did do anything else this week? <laughs> I didn't. Did you? Yeah. All right. I got my tree up. You did get your tree up. That's pretty much it. I'm glad to see it. You you saw that. And you don't like it. Well, (laughs) I I just think somebody ran through the wash too long in a bleach cycle. You know, I I never, ever, ever thought I would own a white tree. And we saw that one with the white lights and just went, that's the one. uh, That's the one I want. When you theme it the way you did with the the proper coloring, it it looks gorgeous. I I was really giving you a hard time. I'm more of a traditionalist, but I like that. I think it's really cool. Lady at Sarah's work on a black tree. No, no, that's absolutely wrong. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'll accept a white tree. I have a black tree. I don't know. You're gonna what? have to. You have to show it to me. Maybe a black tree with some apparently really there gorgeous was, purple bulbs on. Yeah, it or something. there were pur- work. purple lights. But it have to be I all purple whites and purple bulbs and maybe some. I did that. She saw it at. Uh, Festival of Trees. I know the idea. I, see, I did that one year as I had this. Uh, the, you remember the ribbons, the blockbuster ribbons uh-huh. that we yeah. had, that we had these whole thing. They were pull strings and they were like tiny movie reels, but they were gold and black. And mm-hmm. they looked like a movie reel. Well, you pulled the string and the, it was a bow that this ribbon went shunk and formed into this beautiful bow with these long trails on it. And then you would clip it and you'd go to the next one. Shunk. And it was this pre assembled bow thing. And they mm-hmm. had 
I don't know, they sent us like dozens of these rolls for an Oscar thing at Blockbuster, and we didn't wind up using them all. Man, I hoarded that. I took all that <laughs> stuff home after that promotion was over. And I was going to do that for Christmas one year. So I went and got black wrapping paper, just solid black. It was almost like construction paper because, of course, they don't really make black wrapping paper back in the day. But it was almost like construction paper, and I wrapped all of my presents in black and then put these beautiful gold bows on them. And I put them all under the tree, and I got done, and I stepped back and looked. And, man, it was the most morose, depressing Christmas. <laughs> it just looked like somebody had died. It was depressing. And I was like, nope, can't do black. So I swung the other direction and went a white tree. <laughs> on the tree, I think. Well, the tree wasn't black. No, but no, those could have been on a, even on a green tree if you'd have been. Oh, that would have been pretty. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I had one on the top, but and, yeah. and the, the you know streamers kind of going down this way and stuff. But, but yeah, so we went with uh, red and white this year. Yeah. So. Uh, that's pretty. Like, yeah. if you had some more green baubles in there, that'd be even better. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop critiquing your Christmas. You, you, you know what's funny? You remember me telling I'm you just this? ecstatic that you've got Christmas here. Now. <laughs> you, you, the, you remember the story <laughs> about? Yeah, I don't know about that. But, uh, <laughs> it looks like your grandfather's clock grew a beard. <laughs> it's Father Time. <laughs> um, we have to hang everything at this height, yes, otherwise the cats, cats eat it. I understand. So. Yeah. Um, you remember I knew the, that wasn't permanent. <laughs> you, you remember the story about the having to change out all the LED bulbs? Yes. yes okay. Yes. So when we put the tree up. I, I went and I had this idea and I went running and I grabbed all of the red covers that we pulled off of the strand and just went and just stuck them right on all the white lights on that tree. So I've got the little shade of red lights in there. And it's just like, ha ha, look at nice. me repurposing things. This is kind of awesome. So I was very happy <laughs> that I have giant red bulbs on my tree too, even nice though job. there's no giant red bulbs on there. Nice. It's kind of cool. Anyway, so yeah, those those look great. I've never liked when people put giant red giant bulbs on their tree in their Oh yeah, in their no, no, house. no, no, no. That, that's my that's, grandparents that's one of those that, rules. And it drove me nuts. Like you can't put the little and small. Oh my part. Yeah, yeah my like well, yeah. You, like yeah, you can't do be, the little twinkly lights well, outside. You can't do the big giant bulbs inside. And, and because those are, they have that that bright like uh, luminescent look. The to texture, them. yeah. You don't yeah. have that dull paint look on them that some of those big bulbs do. Well, it started because I've got a set of um, lanterns. They're little gold. They look like gold brass lanterns with a red interior, and you you would stick it over a a light, and it would glow like these little lanterns, and I was so excited. And I dug them out this year and went to put them on the tree, and they don't fit on the pre-lit. It's just this slightly, but but these kind of went and stuck right on there, so I was like, cool, I'll just leave them here. I think because yeah. these are bigger and heavier, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> you just leave them on, yeah. You don't have to take them off when you're done. Either. No, I'll take them off when I'm done because next year I might change it out and put blue. Well, last or, year yeah. you had blue and Doctor Who stuff. Yeah, I had all blue yeah. and white last yeah. year. But you've so. got sci-fi tree down this year. So, All right, well, let's move on. And unfortunately, People are I can't, probably I'm, tired of us talking about Christmas. And now, I can't too. put the weeping angel on the Doctor Who tree or the uh, sci-fi tree downstairs because it's this. Too well, the tree's a four-foot tree and the weeping angel's about three five. So <laughs> it would be weeping angel with some bush. It is large and heavy. And I'm surprised you guys were able to put it in that little tiny tree when you had it over at the other house. Yeah. <laughs> so have we talked about legacy yet? No, <laughs> we did. <laughs> And then one time at band camp. What are we doing first? Uh, we have we some should news. do the news first. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Can we do the news? Yes. Let's do the news first. I'm gonna put Let's on my... change things up and I was do about the to news go into first. The reviews. I forgot we hadn't even. We're an hour <laughs> no. and fourteen minutes in, and we hadn't even talked no, about it. Really? Yep. <laughs> well, somebody just had to talk about night at the museum. For <laughs> yeah. Minecraft, Minecraft and... and you got to leave at least the. Uh... Oh, man, the apes got to <laughs> and the dawn went wild. So, 
Our apologies, listeners. One day, Glenn we'll will catch up with the rest of us, and then <laughs> these won't happen. We could have had yeah. this conversation in July. <laughs> <laughs> that movie came out sooner than that, didn't it? No, it was July. July. Was it July? Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, then it hasn't been as long as I thought. I thought Rise, it came out in the spring, and I thought, oh, I was gosh, disappointed because Rise came out in August, so I could go see that for my birthday, but Don did not. Yes. So I said we can go Early see it multiple times. Don yeah, was in July. Oh, okay. What's it, in the news? It should be a winter film. Yeah, it feels it more really like should. a winter film. It's dark There's no and snow in it. <laughs> no, tonally, it's a, it's okay. A fall film, like Star Wars, because should not be tone, shown in Christmas yeah. time. Tonally, <laughs> it's not a summer blockbuster. Yeah, okay, production value, yes. Tonally, no. Guardians, summer. You're Dawn. Wrong. You're wrong again. Fall. <laughs> Two to one. Nope. All right. What's the <laughs> uh, some sad news? Uh, actor Tom Adams died at the age of seventy-six. He played Commander Vorshak. The leader of Sea Base 4 in Warriors of the Deep. Aww. Yeah. He didn't a make long, it to the end of that one, did he? Battle of Cancer. I don't think he did. I think the Merc ate everybody. The Merc ate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Until the doctor melted it. Can I bump my mic now just to get it over with? Because you hit yours earlier, and now Glenn has thumped his. Nobody noticed mine. Hang on. Okay, there we go. <laughs> In not so uh, unhappy news, we got a new trailer for last Christmas. Good. Are you talking the trailer or the um, like scene special clip. scene? I'm talking clip. the trailer. The trailer. Okay. The, thir- the thirty second TV spot. Okay. I don't know that I watched that. <laughs> it very much looks like uh, the thing. <laughs> I kind of thought the same thing. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> it's all ant- a North Pole yep. base-looking stuff with and weird creatures. hardly any Santa. <laughs> yeah. It's a creepy-looking creature. Yeah. Oh, it's a crinoid. <laughs> <laughs> I love this Christmas special already. They brought the crinoid back, and uh, Santa's going to fight it. It's going to be awesome. He's going to be so disappointed when it's not the crinoid. It's the crinoid. <laughs> Call it. <laughs> Easter Saturday. Easter it's Saturday. very exciting. Did you watch the, the, the scene? I watched the clip. Yes. Did you watch the clip? I, f- uh-huh. I, I don't know clip. how I feel about Santa riding up on a... <laughs> on <Dude>. Rudolph. <laughs> on Rudolph and <laughs> I.O. Silver in it. <laughs> you know, I was quite all right with it. In fact, I liked the clip. I liked all of the clip. Except for the... I'm tired yeah. of the joke. Yeah, it's t- we've not- done it before. I mean, if this had been the first time, I would have giggled. This now is this the time third time Doctor Who's written that no. joke. <laughs> and um, it makes more sense for the TARDIS and, I guess, Vastra's carriage. <clears throat> but for a reindeer, that doesn't make any sense at all. No. Well, but a reindeer with a glowing red nose, that I would buy it. doesn't matter. I buy that more than Vastra's carriage, quite honestly. Uh, but here's the deal. It's still a living creature. It's going to wander off. <laughs> Unless they reveal <laughs> that it's not a living creature and actually a robotic reindeer, then I'll be okay with it. <laughs> Here's the deal. There's a part of me that felt very sullied after I watched the trailer because Santa makes such a phenomenal entrance. The orange and then the slinkies and then the, <laughs> the robots. robots. And I just went, this is the way to do it. If you're going to if you're Santa Claus and you're going to enter a room, this is how you do it. You send all this. Yep. And then the reindeer showed up and it was awesome. And I love the doctor's bemused just he, like what is going on here? he's seeing it but he's not quite sure he's believing what's going on and then he rides up on the on the reindeer and this 
I kid you not, the fact that Rudolph is built like a Clydesdale? <laughs> no, Rudolph is built like a reindeer. Yeah. That's what reindeer was. Like an actual this, reindeer. I was, fixed. I was actually I was pleased bleeding. by that. Yeah. Yeah. So much, because every Christmas special I've ever seen, every Christmas movie I've ever seen, they look at these reindeer and I go, no. No, and, and See, the, the problem, problem is, is they Santa try Claus. to make reindeer look like deer. Yeah. Like North American Skinny little legs. And they're, and not. they're not. They are these large animals they're like, like Santa comes riding up. Caribou. Yeah. They're, that's, they're, 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 big. they're an antelope. Caribou. I don't think they're even a deer. I don't think they're actually yeah. in the actual deer family. But the, 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 ones, the ones in Santa Claus the movie. I think elk is what it is, yeah. What? The, bit, the ones in Santa Claus the movie? Yes, those yeah. are those, right. Okay. Those and are Prancer. Reindeer. Have you ever seen the movie Prancer? I've seen Prancer. Yeah, that, that's yeah. right. That's a reindeer. But all these other ones. And even the Santa Claus, too, I think. No, because when he rides in the Santa Claus, too, and he brings Donner with him, it's like. Uh, they're, they're larger deer, but they're not quite. They're not, they're, okay. they're, it's they're been not. a while since I've seen the Santa Claus. And I look at the. And then uh, the one where the the stop motion one with Mickey Rooney when he's Santa and he goes to town and he rides well, on the right. It's like, I don't buy it. The stop motion ones are what? Yeah, I stop motion has set a bad precedent for reindeer. I think that's yeah, what that's it is. Probably what I happened. genuinely yeah. think that's what it is. Because well, I look at all the these books too, drew them like deer. I think probably the original Rudolph the Nose Reindeer book that came out, I think it was Sears that originally put it out, or maybe it was Montgomery, Montgomery Ward. Ward, I think. Yeah. When Montgomery Ward put it out. That was the illustration, and they went with that typical North American deer look. So I, I look at all these reindeer throughout the cinematic history of Christmas movies, and, and I start thinking about that. There's no way they would lift this sleigh off the ground, even if they are magical. There's too many presents. Santa's too fat. It's just it's not going to work. And he rides up on Rudolph. As big reindeer, I went, yeah, Santa, <laughs> get some. This is going to be awesome. And he shreds that. What's well, all this trouble about? Some. I was like, this is going to be awesome. I am so jazzed for this show now. Yeah, I'm really looking forward That's to it. That's all that. I had. <laughs> <laughs> yep. If they had left out the joke, it would have been a perfect clip. Yeah, it really would have. But then, like I said, I still feel sullied because I feel like the entrance would have been so much better in context. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like Somebody's ruining that I almost joke. Didn't watch the the Somebody because said, I thought, oh, Somebody said this is Nick Frost. We've got to make it funny. And that was the wrong approach in that moment. Nick Frost needs to be funny in this episode, but that's not the way to make Nick Frost funny. Sight gags do not make Nick Frost funny. Oh, you're talking Nick about, you're talking about that Frost still. Funny. Right. I thought you were talking about the clip nope. as opposed to just the joke at the end of the just clip. That, just that moment. Yeah. Just no, the, the thing that bothered me. The, 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 the locking of the reindeer is hackneyed and tired. Moffat, stop it. Yes. Do you think he's forgotten? Do you think maybe Moffat's got Alzheimer's and he has forgotten that he's used <laughs> that joke? I did see an article somewhere that Moffat's era is the era of forgetting. <laughs> at the very least, Capaldi's is because he doesn't remember all these past events. <laughs> maybe that's it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's a good segue for me to talk about. Has anybody heard of this? Legacy? We've talked about it. There's some issue right now about Clara in what they're calling the Claradox. You guys read this problem with Doctor Who? The Claradox. I don't have a problem with it, but I kind of see their point. Is that if the Doctor did not die on Trenzalore, there was no reason for Clara to exist. Because... Let's see. But she was still born. She was still born, but there was no reason reason for Clara to have existed or had to repair the Doctor's timeline because if he's not there dead in the first place, there's no way for her to enter his timeline. So similarly, we have this splintered timeline that we have to now pick up pieces of it and put it next to the hub so that the Overseer can protect it. Oh, and the Axis. Yeah, the Axis. Because... It's in the Axis. It's a... a, Claradox. They've created a paradox within the new series because of the fact that 
Clara couldn't have gone back into the Doctor's timeline because the Doctor didn't die for the uh, Great Intelligence to have to go in there and destroy stuff. No, I, I disagree. I think the Doctor will still wind up dead on Trenzalor. See, no, I, but, that I disagree with. But, or well, not, that's not the reason I ha- don't no, have a problem with it, but that is not right. Not any time soon. The future. No, that's not right. <laughs> because... They rewrote time. <laughs> People have a problem with that, but they don't have a problem with rebooting the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I thought, that's another thing is I've never had a problem with rebooting. I've never had a problem with the fact that they really adequately answered the crack or why the TARDIS is exploding in the first place. I've never had a problem with those type of things. I see this as another one of those things that I go, eh, it's not that big of a deal. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years of science fiction. And they're concerned over that paradox. <laughs> but I, I just read that this week, and I thought I'd bring up the clip. The Mona Lisa is a fake. They don't have a problem with that. Paradox. <laughs> Look it up. I, Interesting. <laughs> anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, the Christmas special. Very excited. All of you fans are silly. <laughs> you're, you're just silly. We've known that for a long time. <laughs> Uh, in other news, they the even BBC gave it a fun name. To, uh, I thought it was God of Clever it's a Name. Clever name. <laughs> the Claridox. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, the BBC is going to consider as an as announced plans to launch a theme park. <laughs> Sorry, including Doctor Who and Sherlock in it. I can't imagine the Sherlock ride will be all that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm, I love the show. I'm racking my brain going. No. I'm going to be the first person to say that that theme park would be awesome. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You don't think it's going to no, happen? No, it won't happen. In fact, I think it's a lot of wishful thinking mixed with some guy threw out an idea. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if, like at the BBC, I think somebody said, wouldn't it be cool if, and I think it's one of those things, we'll probably never get out of the idea phase yeah. and never get into the planning phase. I think we're all jumping on this a lot too early, way too early. <laughs> so if it happens, I will be the biggest fan of this and proponent of it happening. But it's way too early on to get too excited about this. Well, in 2020, <laughs> on this podcast, we can revisit it and find out <laughs> if it actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> shockingly enough, Glenn, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think this is one of those things, even if the plans were to go forward, I think the BBC would be much smarter and 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 make a lot more money licensing out that idea to I don't know say Disney. Well, give it to somebody who's got the money to actually invest you know and make will, it work. You know who get it and do it would be somebody like Paramount because it's number actually, one they already have a vested interest in it. Yeah, and the the, the park would be called <coughs> the new the London Paramount Entertainment Resort. So Paramount's already involved. Yeah. Paramount doesn't have a lot of money right now. <laughs> They're floundering on trying to get a park started anywhere because they've lost so much ground. This would be this would be the ticket for them. They've got to have they've got to latch onto something big to play catch up with uh, Universal, Disney, and even Warner Brothers, who has all of the yeah. Six Flags parks. Well, although do you those know are why? Now. Because we're we're, we're promoting. Age of Extinction as a best well, picture of the year contender. <laughs> you guys know they've been for years in the idea stages of doing a Star Trek park. For years oh, they've yeah. been on the. On yeah. the did you Did you hear about the one they were going to do? The, the, uh, the Fremont experience was almost. They were going to basically level 
city blocks yep. of Vegas and build the Enterprise. Yep. They were going to build a full-size Enterprise sitting on the ground where Fremont Street is. And it would have been a casino and interactive park, and it would have all been inside the spaceship. That would have been really cool. I didn't realize it was going to be Fremont, it but was, I knew that there was plans for... One and instead, they decided to build a dome over the street, which is... Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's because Paramount pulled out last minute, yeah. too, and decided that they mm-hmm. needed to focus their efforts other places. And at the time, uh, Vegas was kind of in a slump as well. Yeah, Vegas and, was not the, the family-friendly resort well, destination. It, it didn't <laughs> help when uh, 9-11 happened, either, because that's what, that's what stalled the Paramount uh, Vegas... Mm plans as well as the fact that Vegas everybody went into this okay we're putting projects on hold and Vegas suffered but not because of that being put on hold but Vegas suffered just as everybody else did as far as people weren't going to entertainment venues because A they were afraid that that was going to be a target and B we were in a mourning period yeah. so and the economy tanked <laughs> well then that came yeah. later but yes <laughs> Almost on the heel of it. No, I, 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 I don't think BBC would be prudent to build, you know, a, a, a studio backlot, if you will, to the BBC Center. Right. I think they would be more prudent to give the money to Paramount or give the, the licensing to Paramount, let Paramount come in and build it and, and do something with it, and then say, yeah, they've got the Doctor Who ride, and then you can do it at such and such and such, such, such. Now, I am a little concerned about what this would do to Doctor Who the experience in Cardiff and how that would impact oh, that. that would I don't all think, be I don't, moved. No, that would so? be, yeah, that would be moved. Because if, if I do this park in the U.K. as they plan... There's no you reason don't to have really to want to divide oh, yeah, that revenue stream. You want to make sure all of that is in one central location so it can be enjoyed. Because I think that the Doctor experience, while as awesome as it is and people would still want to go, I think it would be a step up to be able to ride rides with Doctor Who. And that would probably suffer a lot if they didn't just marry you the know, two together. That makes sense. The other thing that kind of scares me is if you think about like the really shoddy... In, in in true bad production value form, the, the, the <laughs> you think think about the old carnival rides that you used to go to, like the haunted house, and like they've just repurposed instead of the scary cardboard monster that kind of lunges forward, it's a weeping angel, and you know a flashlight, and you're, you're on a rickety mine car, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old school dark rides. Th- think about a Doctor Who theme park like that. And- <laughs> it's like oh scary. <laughs> um, I hope in ten years we're talking. More seriously about that, this, but I can't get too excited about. I hope in ten years we're going to the opening, going, and here we are. I think I'm sullied. <laughs> I think I'm sullied by my love as well, Disney, and so many other amusement parks that I've seen come out of the idea phase, and all my if since my childhood, I've seen all these grand, wondrous plans for parks that were going to be that were interested to me or interesting to me, and I've seen so many of them fall through. Americana in Virginia, which was going to be a Disney park. Um, there was also talk of putting one in Branson when they were buying oh, up a lot of yeah, land out there. Yeah. Universal had talked about doing a park in St. Louis in order to compete uh, with the Six Flags parks. Uh, you know, there's been all of these different idea faced things and things that I've always just wanted to. Come, so I've been burned so many times that I, I just can't well, get serious. It about almost seems like, aside from the big ones of Disney and Universal, most theme parks are going out of fashion. And I think that's true, yeah. Theme parks are yes, amusement parks are not. But it's the the difficulty is there. This is and this to me is kind of the key. You have theme parks where you've got you know Disney Studios, you've got Universal, and, and of course Universal is even partnered up with Warner Brothers. Yeah, and, yeah. and they're they're building around that. But and then you've got the amusement when did parks. Universal 
team up with Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah, Harry, Potter. the Harry Potter's all well, down our universal yeah, and stuff. We, now, we should be talking, though, you got to be careful when you say that. They're not partnering with Warner Brothers. They're partnering with a Warner Brothers brand. Universal is spending all of the money because they have bought the license from Right, that's from what I'm Warner saying. Brothers it's just, I mean, yeah, because I mean, Warner Brothers is still going to run Brothers, the Six Flags parks. Warner Brothers realizes that it is not financially poignant for them not being one of the high destination spots to put a Harry Potter park in one of their parks. And that's yeah. because the Six Flags are not theme parks. They're, they're amusement, amusement parks, parks which yeah. is a, a different animal. And I, I, this, this to me is the key, and I'll throw this out there because I was going to do this at one point, but I didn't have several gajillion dollars to, to invest <laughs> in it. The moment somebody figures out the way to marry a traditional amusement park with roller coasters and a midway and a, a Ferris wheel and a, a, a merry-go-round uh, or a, what are those called? Carousel. Carousel. And all that normal amusement park stuff with the huge big ticket events of a theme park with your simulator rides and that kind of stuff. And you put all of that together under one umbrella, that's the destination. It doesn't matter how amazing the theming is that you've made me believe that I'm standing on Amity Island and that there's a, a shark in the water. I, I can't leave that and go get on a roller coaster. It's all simulator and it all still feels a little fake. Yeah. And I well. don't get the thrill part of it that I get from an amusement park. And if you can figure out a way to marry those two, then, then you're golden. Well, and so it, far, nobody's done it. Well, <laughs> even Disney has, has gotten wise to that idea because they're theme parks, not not like Magic Kingdom, because it's still pretty low-key theming rides, but like when you take uh, the Hollywood theaters, or the uh, Hollywood studios, in the, it started out to be another theme park, mm -hmm. and what it evolved to, because they realized that people were looking for those type of things, it evolved into something different. They're the closest, Unfortunately, yeah. because they have Rock and Roller Coaster, they have Tower of Terror, they have, they have those traditional theme park type, or uh, amusement park type rides. Now, unfortunately, I think that has sullied the feel of the studio's aspect of what they were shooting for in the first place. And it's not a, uh, always a bad thing, because those, some of those rides are phenomenal rides. They even kind of did that in Animal Kingdom with... Uh, um, Expedition Everest, but like Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror is hands down one, even, even though it's it's a it's a drop ride. You go it up in the thing right, and yeah. you get dropped. That's all there is. But the way they've constructed it and put it's the story themed. and put the theming to it, that is what made that just. It's one of the most amazing drop ride experiences ever. It's so cool. I haven't ridden the roller coaster yet, but Rock it, roller coaster is the only thing I don't it, think it, I rode out. It, it wasn't there last time. That's how long it's been. Yes, yeah, he was there. <laughs> I was pretty limited on the thrill rides that I can ride because we had the family, but yeah. I made sure to hit some of the ones that were most important. All right, we've talked well, long enough about this amusement park. So. <laughs> well, here's something exciting that is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> A series of Lethbridge-Stewart novels are coming out. Ooh. There will be four of them uh, featuring a young Lethbridge-Stewart set shortly after the events of Web of Fear. And oh, so um, we get Colonel. Is it Colonel? Was he Colonel? Possibly Colonel. It could be... Well, it could be right as they elevated him to... Uh, to Brigadier. Brigadier. Or was, I, giving him the elevation of Brigadier. There's an, I, I don't have a full... kind of cool. 
description I of think the story. We're led to believe from the line in the invasion that it was pretty much the events of Web of Fear that led yes. to being promoted well, Brigadier. So, but those events could be parlayed out through a novel series. Sure, and he doesn't yeah. become Brigadier until the end. But yes, I think in some way or fashion we'll see his elevation from Colonel to Brigadier. So. The first one will be released February twenty second. Four years to the day after the death of Nicholas Courtney. Oh, well, that's kind of a neat. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, homage. And then I was sad. <laughs> Does it have a title yet? Or uh, Yeah, there are four different titles. I the Forgotten so, Sun. February's the first book. The Horror of Det Sen. The Schizoid Earth. And Mutually Assured Domination. Good titles. Four different authors. I don't recognize any of them. Uh-oh. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything, though. So maybe, to, maybe we can do a Brigadier archive and we we'll can, put those we can, on the podcast. Yeah. That's really fun. It's exciting. Cool. And then uh, some con guest announcements. Uh, Time Eddie has announced Colin Baker. Which is, is the coming. one that will be in Wichita? Yes, Yay. in October. Hooray! And Elihu announced their first guest uh, for, for next, next year. <laughs> Katie Manning will be there. Yay. Yay. She's really making the rounds for she the cons. Making the rounds. And that's it for news. Yay. Yay. Well, let's move on to review. Feed- oh, yeah, feedback. Feedback. <laughs> no, I mean that. I'm just kidding. First up, uh, Ben sent in some more feedback about uh, Chicago TARDIS. And it's audio. Let's give it a listen. Hey Vortex guys, uh, Time Lord Ben here, uh, just listened to the show, uh, I realized I used the word awesome just a little too much there, uh, but working from no script, uh, it was okay I suppose. Uh, at any rate, a couple things, um, Noel Clark was indeed uh, as down to earth and as genuine as I had mentioned, um, the reason that really struck me was because one of the questions posed to him by a fellow Congor uh, was who would he or who has he ever met that's also famous that he just kind of gushed over as as we all did for um, the the folks that attended uh, Chicago TARDIS. And his answer was, without even missing a beat, uh, no one. He said, I don't do that. Um, Whether they're as famous, more famous, uh, whatever have you, um, they're just people. And these are his words, uh, and I'm paraphrasing to an extent. Um, He said, you know what, they go to work, they do their job, they go home, they do the same things I do. He's like, so... I don't get overly excited uh, when I work with somebody who uh, is considered super famous. Um, And he didn't mean that in a condescending way. It wasn't said uh, in any way with any tone or or phrasing or anything like that that you could even possibly misconstrue what he was saying. He was really kind of relating that yeah, okay, he was on Doctor Who, he was in Star Trek, he's done these things that have put him in our eyes, you know, kind of up there. Uh, But in his eyes, 
he's down there with us and and anybody else in the industry is also down there with us and I thought that was kind of cool um, you know like I said before several times he is really funny um, and then there then there was this other aspect to him and, and I, I genuinely mean that if if he were the kind of guy that said hey let's go grab a pint down at the pub uh, that's what you would do uh, I don't even think you'd hesitate he's just that nice of a guy um, uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick was um, the ribbons um, they were a lot of fun it did turn into a game uh, I didn't even know what these things were at the beginning of the con um, uh, you know I'm sitting there at the reception and we're just talking to various people and whatever and then one of the 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 convention uh, employees comes up and, and says hey here's this ribbon you know you were talking about big finish earlier so here you go and it was a big finish ribbon and I kind of looked at it like alright you know what do I do with this thing you know I, I didn't know what they were um, so you know it became apparent what I should do with it and then of course I stuck it on my my lanyard uh, badge but um, but it became a thing over the weekend you'd certain cosplayers had made them for themselves and you know it was a trick you know to find out what you had to do to get one I mean uh, there, there was a hall full of Daleks well one of the Daleks um, uh, the operator you had to tell him please exterminate me and you'd get a ribbon that said exterminated um, there was another one uh, that the the special weapons Dalek operator uh, was giving out and I they just gave it to us I'm not exactly certain what the phrase or the code thing was for it but you just kinda had to figure out where these things were and it became a game um, you know for my son and I at least and there were people uh, I know one of the the convention um, uh, helpers uh, not one of the not one of the, the the upper echelon as it were but one of the the frontline greeters kind of people um, guy was about six six and he had um, ribbons dragging the floor that's how many of them he had so they're I guess they're a big thing um, it became a lot of fun um, you mentioned on the show um, hoping that Li Who would do them. Um, and if you look at the picture um, that uh, I posted of my badge with the final tally of, of ribbons, uh, near the top there is one that says Li Who 3. Um, and I forgive me for not knowing, um, but there was a gentleman there that uh, I'm fairly certain is a representative at least um, if not the organizer of Li Who so they they had representation at Chicago TARDIS even uh, so anyway so just wanted to bring up those couple things um, hope everything is going well for you guys hope your holiday went well Thanksgiving wise um, clearly we spent Thanksgiving uh, driving up to and and spending uh, the night at uh, at the convention uh, but, uh, yeah, if I don't get a chance to talk to you guys before then, uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. I uh, hope you guys get everything you like, everything you want, and, uh, and that you stay safe out there. There's, uh, there's a lot of crazy people this time of year. So, anyway, take care. See you later. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ben. We sure appreciate the, uh, follow-up, and, um, I'm glad that Noel Clark's 
just really that down to earth. He's no stars in his eyes for anybody because he treats everybody like people. That's cool. <laughs> that is really cool. That's nice. Ben, what do you mean there was a whole hallway full of Daleks? <laughs> and then the very casual <laughs> drop of yeah, the special, yeah, the special weapons, weapons Dalek, Dalek operator. operator. Whoa, whoa, back up. Back up. <laughs> there was a, there special, was a special weapons, weapons Dalek. Dalek. First of, First of all, cool. cool. Should have mentioned, mentioned that earlier. Secondly, there was a special weapons Dalek. Sean is just speechless. Best thing ever. Thing ever. I'll say it again. Best thing ever. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on. On our feedback. Chrissy wrote in. She wrote, The end of an era. Dear Vortex Boys, how about that arrow cliffhanger? Like, literally, it was a cliffhanger. Or like, spoiler redacted, got thrown off the cliff. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say in case people haven't seen it yet. But really, the all the mid-season finales have been pretty brutal thus far. Best. I hope everyone out there is keeping things together. Best show on television. Hands down. And they proved it this week on Arrow. Oh my gosh. I don't know what she's talking about. It's insane. I, I, Chrissy, I'll tell you right now, I was just frozen at the time, at the moment. What happened happened. That's all I could say. Hmm. Man. <laughs> so intense. Ah. All right. <laughs> also, one word, Adam. Adam? Adam. Okay. The Adam's coming. Oh. <laughs> and the best line... In the whole show, and maybe series so far, is when uh, oh, what's his name, the the new head of the Queen Consolidated. His name escapes me now. He says, "Felicity, I've got a project I need you to help me with." And Felicity says, "Why does this keep happening to me?" That's <laughs> <laughs> all I'm gonna say. Best line ever. Why does this keep happening to me? All right, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> she continues. Speaking of rotten cliffhangers, <laughs> the girl who never was. Knowing that this is Charlie's last story with the Eighth Doctor helps. But at the same time, it almost makes it worse because you keep thinking something's bad's going to happen. It's going to be permanent, like when she's taken over by the Cyberplaner. And for most of the story, it doesn't feel like it's ending. It feels like a return to the old Eight Charlie Team TARDIS. And their adventures are just going to continue as they always have. Maybe it'll be with old Charlie until we find out that old lady, that the old lady wasn't Charlie after all. Overall, the story's idea is a good one, even if it's hard to follow in some places. I got a little confused and turned around when they started throwing out numbers and years when things were supposed to happen, but didn't. And now time's all messed up, and I'm not sure who is what or now or anything else. I did like at the end... How the ending theme plays, and then there's a scene with Charlie writing her journal about how long she's been stranded and waiting for someone to come to get her. Then the TARDIS shows up, but it's clearly not the doctor she's expecting. I mean, that's a really clever way to end, in quotes, a companion's run. Turns out she gets off with another doctor and pops... And props to Big Finish for closing out with that particular doctor's theme tune. Yes, that was cool. It means you still have to wait to hear what kind of interaction Charlie's going to have with him, but lets the audience know which Doctor it is. As long as the audience is familiar with the, great, the different ending themes, that is. 
So Charlie and Eight's run is over. Sad tears. But we're not done with Charlie. Which means my next question is, when do we start Lucy Miller? <laughs> Spoilers. See, my I next think he's question. got that on the same week as we do uh, Keeper at Truck and uh, Castro. Oh, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm see, ready see, for Chrissy, some my, Lucy Miller. My next question was, when do we do Charlie and Six? What was my next question, actually? <laughs> I don't know this Back Lucy almost Miller. On. <laughs> Does it pick up right Spoilers. away? I don't know. Uh, anyway... I hope everyone's Christmas season is going well and that you're all getting stuff you stuff ready for Santa's big visit. Or in Sean's case, you're preparing to poorly impersonate the big man in red and traumatize those little children in the process. Check Facebook for that inside joke, I guess. Until next time, have a great week. Since she brought that up. <laughs> Did I miss something? Because I didn't get the okay. joke. Go to his <laughs> Facebook profile. Right. I've seen that. And the, with the cover photo? I've seen the picture. Oh, I didn't see the color. That's the problem. The cover yeah. photo. Oh, only the... Uh, so I, go, I didn't I get it until he went to my... He went to his profile to show uh, me. I saw his p- picture come through on the feed, for, but never his cover photo. For some, for some reason, it didn't come through together, and it, uh, it was a Facebook thing. Okay. It, for, for those of you that are wondering, if you go to my Facebook proper page, the profile picture ties into the cover photo. And it'll make a lot more sense for you. <laughs> While Glenn goes to check that out, we want to thank Chrissy, who uh, very kindly sent us a Christmas card, which yes. arrived this week and brought us a little cheer and a sleeping polar bear. And he's so snuggly. And he I can is. only imagine he's got that a scarf. right here underneath him is a bottle of Coke. <laughs> it does look like a Coke pan. Uh, it's not, polar. but it totally looks like it should be. Speaking. I did see them. I did see that come through, and then later in the day saw this. Yeah, one. it was it was all done at the same time, but for whatever reason, it didn't. Uh, Darn Facebook! Yeah. Am I still missing something though? He's pointing at the at the balls. Yeah. Okay. I thought there was more to it. Maybe I expected too much. <laughs> it still makes more sense than just the picture. No, it, it certainly does. It, 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 it's it's better. a lightly naughty joke. That's con- not. It's better in context, but. Okay. I thought you were going to go with a completely different word there when you started to say, I was no, like, no, can't context. say that. <laughs> context. Speaking of bottles, I have something else this week. You do? I do. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. All right. I know what he's getting. I think I know what he's doing, too, since he said <laughs> bottles. Probably in response to my comment. What was your comment? I didn't see your... Where can you get that? <laughs> oh, okay. I did see that, yes. Uh, Mel, uh, or no, Corey got somebody a couple of those for her Christmas and and then a movie. And I was like, well, don't open one for me because I don't like root beer to begin with. So I will not like it. Flat out. The label's coming off. They all smell. we just slap the label on here? Pretty much. Wow, what kind of Mickey Mouse operation I'll taste it, but I'm not going to like it. The bottle is cool. You can open his, have him taste, and I'll drink the rest of it. Because I love root beer. Do you hear that out there? That is the sound of pure awesome. Top City Soda Pop. Do you have a thing? There's, wait, there's an app Actually, for that? I do have a thing, but I'm getting a picture. Oh. So, we should be putting this on uh, our YouTube channel, too. Yeah, you I, should I don't want the look of my face going out and tarnishing well, that's I don't want to look that yet, then, because I want to look at your face because you're drinking tarnished beer. <laughs> So, so, so here in town, here I have no problem. Root beer. Yeah. We, we we have a a, a company known as uh, Top City, 
Soda Pop, which is bottling their own root beer. And it is made here in Topeka. Old-fashioned, inspired, newfangled, perfected. It's all natural ingredients. Are you rolling video? I'm rolling video. This is on our YouTube channel, so the listeners know if we get stoic and quiet here. Yep. Nope. Oh, bummer. I just don't like root beer. I just said I would drink it. You're such a punk. (laughs) You (laughs) don't need two bottles. I'm double fisting, baby. That's what I was going to (laughs) do. I love root beer. This is the best root beer. This is the best root beer ever. This is, is I, I'm a root beer connoisseur, it's, uh, and it's the best root beer ever. Not liking root beer, it's not as uh, gag inducing oh as I inspected. Mm. See, it's good stuff. It's all natural. It's, um, I could probably get used to that root beer. It's um, it's got a, it's got a, uh, it's got a. Uh, why did I open both of them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Here, no. I was wondering why you... And then you opened the third one. Well, I'm going to drink the third one. Well, but you couldn't drink this one, left that one, then I, we would open it when I... Oh, whatever. <laughs> he really expects you to drink both bottles <laughs> now. City. I, I intend to, but I did, we didn't have to have three open, one getting flat while the other ones well, were being drank. But. I can't put the cap back on it now. No. Anyway, <laughs> it, it's, it's all natural, and uh, it is made with pure cane sugar and not high fructose corn syrup, and it's all bottled here in Topeka in real glass bottles, and they do it in small batches. And I have been pursuing the brewmaster uh, for quite some time uh, to uh, acquire his product and have a sell it at Vintage Stock. And uh, they came through. So it's available at Vintage Stock, along with other places, but I'm going to print my business uh, <laughs> while I'm there. And uh, so enjoy, because this is a, a stocking stuffer that uh, we have dipped into for this celebration here tonight. Oh, so you're going to have to buy <laughs> so more. So I'll have to buy more to replace it. But. Was this the something else you did this week? Do you remember? Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, yeah, this was the something else. that Because I posted that. I posted that photo. If, if I were going to critique, it's got a wonderful flavor. It's kind of um, It's got a woody flavor. It but, does have a woody flavor. interestingly enough, it's not carbonated enough for me. It's because he's... Um, he's just a hint more carbonation. Satan. Gosh, it's, <laughs> gosh, it's really, really... Well, Donald, he didn't think Donald the Final Hips was the best I film. I know, he's just something a little off about You can go to their website, www.topcitysodapop.com. Topcitysodapop.com. You can also follow them on Twitter and other places. They have a Facebook page as well. And uh, many, many, many things. And Ooh, they are apparently working on a cream soda. I'm not a cream soda. No, I don't like cream soda. So. Unfortunately, the only soda I like now, are fruit flavored. With a, with a cola. I would, I would drink a cola. The great I thing about their soda. website is it's, mm. it's soda pop. And so the first thing that comes up is, well, which one are you? Are you team soda or team <laughs> pop? And you have to click. <laughs> That's clever. So then it takes you into the website proper, and any time it's listed, it's soda pop. But the word that you didn't pick is crossed out <laughs> through the whole website. See, I'm, and I'm, I, I'm 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 regional. I was born in you know this. I was born in the pop region, but I uh, I refer to soda as soda. I don't soda. know why. It's, I'm one soda. of those anomalies. Which that one are you from drinking? This area. Both, this one, but both. Leave well, it there. I'm gonna put it in the fridge. No, because so it'll make it flatter. It will. Yes. Never heard that before. No. <laughs> okay, anyway. whatever. <laughs> it's good warm, but it's better cold. Oh, I got that. Mm. So, you, yeah, I posted that. And you asked where it came from. Yeah. And I, so well, I thank you very much, show. Sean. Thanks for dipping into the stocking stuffers, and we'll have to replenish your stock. Stop now. Stock now. 
You could share this one from Keith with me if you wanted to. <laughs> Split it between the two of you. Thing. Although right. you can drink them all day at work. Well, see, that's the problem. Matt commented because I got him one, and he just he was like, "Yeah, we're going to carry that. Find out who I need to talk to and make that happen." <laughs> so we kept kind of trading emails back and forth, and Brian was like, "Well, you know, maybe I can make it this time, maybe I can make it that time." And Matt said, "You know, this isn't going to be complicated. He's going to come down, and I'm going to say, how much is your root beer? Here's a check. <laughs> that's it. I'm take you, my money. I'm sold. And I've been man, I've been hawking this stuff. I should get." commission for you guys if you're listening because <laughs> I, just hire him as the a guy came in he had a little frown on his face i was like you can't be frowning it's christmas time he's like hey. i was like you know what you need you need a top city root you know, beer and i made him go over to the case and get one and i popped it for him and he just oh my god that's good root beer i was like yeah i know right <laughs> we're uh, we're trying to work out a deal with uh, a, a partnership or a conjunction with um boom comics and top city game or not top city games tabletop games I'm kind of thinking maybe we'll slide these guys in there somewhere too. <laughs> official podcast, the official, podcast. The official podcast juice of uh, traveling the world. I like that. Top that's, city root beer, oh, except for Keith, except for me. I, I have weird tastes. You don't like soda that much, anyway, though. I, I, I only like soda. I only like fruit. Fruit, so fruit flavored fruit pop. Flavor. Well, maybe down the line. Yeah, if they, maybe they'll. That's they'll why I like, call That's it, why Jones Soda was my soda. Keith. Oh, there we go. They, uh, no, they have. Um, not yet, but it's in, in the works. Let me go and... That's why I love Joan Soda so much, because I can get unique flavors. Yeah. I'm kind I'm, of a boring, I'm, generic... I like I like uh, cola, and I like uh, root beer. The difference like, comes from I didn't like soda growing up, so I never drank it. So I never got acclimated by the, to the taste. See, I don't like... The only fruit-flavored pop I like is the... Uh, um, as I call them, the white pops, even though they're colored. Um... Is the or clear soda is the uh, lemon lime? I do like lemon lime. Oh, so see, I, like I don't even like the lemon limes. I, just, I don't like. I don't want. I don't want orange in there. Strawberry, strawberry in there. Orange, cherry in there. Grape is above all else. Well, uh, not for you, but for you. I don't know if it's done yet, but at some point they're going to have cinnamon root beer, cherry root beer, and vanilla root beer. So they're, they're vanilla might not be. Too, well, no, I remember trying the vanilla. Vanilla root beer is going to taste a lot like cream soda because that's what I don't yeah. like about cream soda is that it's got a bit of a root beer taste, but it's got way too much vanilla flavor yeah. in it. So. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I can justify doing this on our Doctor Who podcast is, according to historical documents, Shakespeare was known to drink small beer, otherwise known as root beer. So if you're good enough for Shakespeare, who was on Doctor <laughs> Who, you can listen to us talk this Who a few times. Yeah. Um, Lisa, as far as will this make the it into a Patreon supporter, I don't know yet. i got to figure out how to ship, so that's that's, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh, uh, Dan got his is it just contest ship, entry. Isn't that when you get two characters and they, they develop <laughs> a different kind of shipping. Oh, I'm sorry. I totally ship Arrow <laughs> and a Flash. <laughs> uh, Having not seen that show, I don't know if that joke works. Or not. <laughs> I'm sure there is... I'm, I'm sure, sure there's some there fan is, fiction yeah. out there somewhere. Somebody has shipped. Uh, other other Bisis and Tepiversary uh, contest winners. Dan got his, so you should be uh, arriving if it hasn't already. Congratulations to our winners. Do, do, do you know why um, the ship that was carrying the vanilla and the root beer didn't sink when it hit an iceberg? Why? Because root beer floats. Uh, <laughs> do we have more feedback? Yes. Uh, let's move <laughs> One on last bit feedback. of feedback. Holly. Holly writes, episode 207, The Girl Who Never Was. Hey guys, great last podcast. Time Lord Ben, I enjoyed your report from Chicago TARDIS. Sean, glad that finals are over for you. Uh, me too. 
I can remember my days of finals and having a Saturday final and not believing my eyes when I saw it on the schedule. But I survived it with much grumbling beforehand. (laughs) To our listeners who may still be heading into finals week, I wish all of you the best of luck. Those who are finished with their finals, enjoy your time off and relax. To those who don't have to worry about finals, I hope you have a great upcoming week. And everyone, a great upcoming holiday season. On to the review. Charlie's last adventure with the Eighth Doctor. I have to say they made a great team. I've gone on and listened to a few of the other audios after Charlie leaves the Eighth Doctor and goes on to travel with the Sixth Doctor without giving too much away. I like the two of them together as well. I really have to say, Big Finish is doing a good job at spoiling us. I mean that in a good way. They've really (laughs) done a great job at expanding the Doctor's universe with great companions and even expanding the Doctor's adventures and timelines themselves and is giving the older reincarnations of the Doctors more adventures to go on. I'm really hoping that somewhere down the line an agreement will be worked out so the ninth through 12th and future incarnation of the Doctors will get the same treatment. Alright, quasi-tangent aside, back to the review. Things are still strained between the Doctor and Charlie, and no amount of the Doctor saying he's sorry, and the whole thing with everyone thinking that Charlie died on the R101 is going to convince Charlie. The two of them both have sovereign streaks. The Cybermen have returned and are certainly making things interesting. Gold is still down their downfall. Byron. Brian. Byron? Byron. Byron. I'm, yeah, okay. Uh, was an interesting character. Wasn't sure what to make of him when he showed up. Charlie being taken over by the Cyber Planner was interesting. And the Doctor has to wipe Charlie's memory just like he had to in the future with Donna. Charlie and Donna's reactions are almost the same, not wanting it to happen and to forget their travels with the Doctor. In Donna's case, it worked. In Charlie's, not so much. (laughs) Sorry, screen just went blank there. (laughs) It went, normally I get a little, you know, oh yeah, I can, no, it's gone. Uh, Not so much. The Doctor sticks around to help her out, and she starts to remember right away with no adverse side effects. But that doesn't last long. Damn you, Byron. The surprise ending with Charlie encountering the TARDIS, but not her TARDIS and the Doctor, when I first listened to this, made me jump ahead to the next audio <laughs> with Charlie just to see how things would work out and how Sixie would take her. I'm not going to say any more until it's on the schedule to review. I'll wrap it up here. Looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts on this story. Holly from Wisconsin. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Holly. <clears throat> well, let's move on to our review. Shall we go ahead and review The Girl Who Never Was first? Yeah. Yes, let's. We'll do the doctors in order. Yes. <laughs> it took me a minute. Dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. Someone's listening somewhere. A ghost ship. A girl with no memory. Drift in time. An old enemy. This could be Charlotte, Charlotte Pollard's finest hour, or her last. Set course for Singapore, 1931. Journey's end. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> Oh my god, this was the greatest thing ever! I I I don't know where to start with this, because it's so good. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Okay, it could just be on me, because I don't pay that close of attention to the covers. Cybermen were a complete surprise to me when they first showed up. Yeah, it was a surprise to me, too. It's front and center on the cover. Yeah, I didn't see this on the cover until after after they arrived, and then I went back to listen to that continue listening, and noticed on the cover that there they were. Yeah, see? Oh, hey, Cyberman's on the on the cover of this. <laughs> just, oh, that was just, that was Such a, that a cool was, use for the Cyberman. There was a too. boat. That's all I knew. Um, God, where to start? <clears throat> so we're, we're, we're back in Singapore, kind of 
you know, I, I love the fact that we've come full circle in a way, and yet still gotten it wrong. Way to go, doctor. I love the gag at the hotel that he's had this suite for 900 years or however long <laughs> it's been open. He was okay. wrong. Okay. I, I I love I love Indy Fisher. She does Char- such a good job. Charlie this. is so so good. Yeah. I love Paul McGann. I have come to the determination. Sorry, gentlemen. Paul McGann is my audio doctor. He's just regardless of the story, whether it's an awesome one or a stinker, he is mesmerizing to listen to. Agreed. And I, I, I can't get enough of it. And just listening to him <laughs> in this, his performance is just, it's nuanced and it's there and it's the doctor. And it sounds effortless. Yeah. I mean, not to say that he's not acting, but he, he just, he just walks into the room and he's the doctor. And that's just, you know, everything he does is, is doctorish. And I can see it all in my head. The whole thing just plays out, and it's it's all visual. It's all there, and it's all amazing. And I just, I, I can't get enough of that. The reveal of the Cybermen was like, oh, my God, the Cybermen thing. It was just, I it was just squeeing all over it. And then the fact that they weren't just any Cybermen. They were like old-school invasion <laughs> Cybermen yeah. with a cyber yeah. planner and sounded but like 10th like, planet. Yeah, yeah. Was but, like, oh, that was upgrade so cool. from that was even cooler. That was the, the, the most... Unique part of this is the fact that I, I you visualized because of the cover the 1980s Cybermen, but no, they, the 60s Cybermen. No, you envisioned from the cover the 1980s Cybermen because that's what it is. No, it's just in it's the invasion, it's the invasion one, yeah. Oh, uh, well, it is not a the, David Banks, okay. Cyberman. Well, then the interview in the thing when they were talking about writing, I can't remember who wrote this, when they were talking about they were interviewing. No, it was, it was Nicholas Briggs when he was doing his interview for the the extras. Yes. He said that that he that they were envisioning the 1980s Cybermen for this story. I thought he said invasion I, specifically. I thought, I thought I'm he said pretty sure he said I'm 80s. Pretty sure he I said invasion. Anyway, he but yeah said that we went wrong. back to the original voice, the the Tenth uh, Planet Cybermen, in order for the story. So yeah, he said <laughs> yeah he said invasion Cybermen. Okay, I'm, I'm probably wrong. But just but. just just the, the when the, when the thing showed up and she was like, well, it looks like a bunch of bric-a-brac, and I went. Oh! I know what that is. <laughs> and Mel was listening. She goes, that's the thing that the guy had in his office, right? I was like, yeah, we just watched that. Oh, serendipity. Work. <laughs> I, just, I got way too into this. I'm sorry. And here's the frustrating thing is I had to listen to it like over the course of a couple different nights because of my work schedule and everything that was going yeah. on. So we started it and we are, are, are uh, of this week, our uh, pod or uh, big finish activity was present wrapping. So we would wrap presents uh, while we were listening oh, to this and, 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 and doing that. And just, you know, just, and, you know, every now and then we'd both stop and we'd look up at each other and go, oh, you know, <laughs> and then, oh, who's this old lady? Oh, I'm Charlotte Pollard. Oh, you know, I mean, we were just, we were right I bought into that hook, line, and oh, sinker. We like, right oh, there. yeah, she somehow got trapped in the past and his future. What's going on? It wasn't until, I don't know, maybe five minutes before that reveal that I that when 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 Charlie finds out that this other stowaway is there, that I suddenly began to go, oh, what as if soon, there's as soon as they yeah, what if there's a sub? Because I even went one step further, like what if there's a sub parallel timeline thing going on here, where because Charlie died in the R101, but maybe this is the Charlie that didn't, and she <laughs> made it as a stowaway on a boat instead of the airship, and you know, it just yeah, I kind of went all kinds of places with it, <laughs> but it was about five minutes before the reveal that I suddenly went. 
Oh, she, this is that chick. That's where they're going with this. Yeah. yeah. Did anybody though feel like that the first third of this story felt just? I mean, there was there were a lot. It's a great story. Keep going. There was a, it felt predictable. Not that you can necessarily predict what was happening, but it really had this feeling of predictability until we got to that reveal, and then we went down that road, and I went. This isn't anything like I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I can kind of see I, that. I yeah. guess a little bit. Not like you said, not necessarily. It's not like it was predictable, but it just had that feel of I think I know where this is going. Maybe familiar. It did feel very familiar. It, it, it was, you know, like being welcomed home like by a comfy armchair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a good. It yeah. was just oh, I'm, this is going to be awesome, and I, I maybe I'm, I'm being too harsh now, but. We're done with Eutermisons and weird alternate universes, and it's the Doctor and Charlie on Earth it, it and a feels, mystery. It feels very familiar because it's what came before yeah, that, that, that so. universe. Yeah, and yeah. it just is. We're back to the status quo. It's like okay, yay, we're back to that. <laughs> I don't. Maybe maybe it was just such a breath of that that that's what I was I was really hoping for. Now, it's not without flaws. The biggest one I have is Byron. Yeah. I, I enjoyed him as a character, it was fine, but how he can exist, I don't understand. <laughs> his grandfather died on the ship. Well, at least they kept calling him the grandfather. So how did not Charlie have his love child? When obviously the Byron in the past did not know not Charlie was not a woman. Or was a woman. He thought it was a man. And so there was there was no chance there. That's and I've listened to this twice because I was after the cliffhanger from the previous. I could wait. <laughs> I went and listened, and that's still the only thing really for me that I that sticks in my craw that I have a big problem with. And and it wasn't until really the second listening also that another kind of issue I had was they wrap up everything and then there's still so much to go with Byron yeah. coming back. Yep. Partially, tri- and then it's kind of then rather quickly wrapped up. It seems like that was my thing. Is I kept thinking, this feels like it should have ended by now, but it just keeps going. Yeah. and it wasn't in a bad way. No, it was it, in a. Well, there's a lot of I, now there's I really a lot to unravel here. That is just I'm, I have no idea what's going to happen. The, this, for me, the story felt very much even breaking it into the two parts that it had to do it because we, we got all the way almost up to the end of the th- the third part in the first sit through. And then I had to wait until the next, you know, where, where he could actually sit down and finish it. Um, and which that took an eternity because it felt like this great freight train that was just barreling forward. Because the was plot just like, on the boat, it, it moved. Yeah, yeah it, it was just it moving did. along. And then I had to wait and I had to wait and I had to wait. And then I came back to it and it was like, okay, jump back in. We're ready to go. And we got and scream. Okay, that's where we left off. Go. And then it felt almost like. It rushed to that conclusion very, very quickly. Yeah. You know, that boom, here we are and we're done. And I almost was like, oh, is that it? Not that this is one that I felt like needed another part or anything. Right. It just, it just, it felt, just like felt like, oh, yeah, we're there. For, for okay. As well paced as everything was throughout the beginning three quarters of the story, and it wasn't even the last part, just the, 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 the actual wrap up of the story seemed like, and I, okay, we've dispatched the Cybermen, we've done this, we've done this. Okay, everything's good. Oh, but it's not because Byron's in the TARDIS, and we've got yep. some extra business we've got to deal with. Yeah, which and I thought it, was shocking. I was like, well, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> it was cool because it had that you know that horror movie element to it. That oh, the villain's not actually dead, and they right. come back, yeah. and you've got to deal with them one last time, which was kind of cool. 
Byron's an interesting guy from the standpoint that, as you pointed out, if you try and kind of track down his lineage, when was he born versus when he disappeared, and then he went back in time, and then he went forward time, and then ultimately he dies in 5100. Yeah, I can't keep all that straight. That's, that's just... okay. Yeah, it's too confusing. I honestly, I had such a good time with... Charlie and the Doctor that I kind of glossed over the yeah, rest of that in my head. It's like, it's I don't a, have a small, problem with it. I, I wondered it early on in the story, but by the time it finished, I was so wrapped up in it that I, I was like, eh, I whatever. Felt, this is one of those few times that I felt secure enough in the story that I felt like I didn't need to fact check their times or really know yeah. what the yeah. timeline was doing. I just trusted that it was what it was, and so it just, it just kind of came. It was like, it doesn't matter that I know where or when it is. I just know the cause and effect of everything. So that's what's important. Because so. it wasn't always the same guy throughout the entire story, right? There were two different Byrons. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. yeah that, the Byron that they meet the first time is not the same Byron from the past. And yeah. by, the way I got it. That's the way I, I thought got one it was a descendant of the other. That's, in fact, that's, they alluded yeah. to that as well. Well, he calls not Charlie. Well, he, he says uh, his grandfather or somebody says Yeah, they, they, yeah. they refer to the grandfather and then his mother... Yeah, not her. Well, but the mother was the same. Was was what's her name? That yeah, we thought was Charlie. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah, she was definitely. The and same. did anybody see that reveal coming? When the doctor uses the and he's he's amplified the thing is your name is Charlotte Parlor. You're good. You are Charlotte Parlor. <laughs> Say it. You are Charlotte Parlor. And then the other chick goes, "I am Charlotte Parlor." Yeah. And he goes, "Oh crap!" <laughs> it was just like it was, it was, one, yeah. oh. it was one of those. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I know why she can't remember why what happened. And it, they, it, before that, she didn't know. She thought she was Charlotte Pollard. It's one of those so well crafted circular stories. Yeah, that really kind of like flip flop does such a good job of folding back and meeting itself at the end. Yes, that the small things you can overlook, yeah, like right. Byron. I. Uh, oh, I just. <laughs> So much win, so much was was right. Uh, even even the, the the little, you know, okay. What was, the, the, what was with the Cybermen and whole? Uh, what was with? The, I, I I can't I can't nitpick it. I just the, no. the, the the overwhelming weight of awesome. Was it Charlie's second story that was sort of a ran, or was it the third? One of those early on stories. Second. Second or third. See, and that's why I was so pleased with the yeah. idea that they brought the Cybermen back yeah. here because it, it really brought fitting. that full, yeah. full circle as well. Because obviously it, the first one's all R101. Right. Yep. And it completely explains why she knew who the Cybermen were. She knew most of what, you know, she just had well, a lot. They even name dropped yeah, the story. It, exactly. She, she says you should know who, you know, I yeah. It just. I love the idea that they were able to kind of frame both ends of Charlie's time with the Doctor with two very familiar, um, or with, with, with a very familiar uh, uh, villain, and be able to kind of sort of quasi bookend it, and still, you know, like you said, the Singapore reference. We're back to square one. It's you know, it just wow. Well, I, and there were, there were so many so many elements yeah. that came into play that I didn't think about coming into play until they came into play. The gold in the hold. I'm down here for the treasure. I'm going to get the yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then Cybermen show up. And I'm like, oh, crap, Cybermen. Did not put the two and two together <laughs> until somebody picked up an ingot. And I went, oh, gold. You, that's my only problem with this story is that suddenly bars of gold are bad when and not gold dust. That was... 
I don't I, know. I, it's I, just something in Doctor Who I'm going to have to accept, I suppose, that their, their weakness is gold no matter in what form, even though we clearly established in the Tom Baker story that it has to be gold dust because they don't like it because it gets into their ventilation system. I, I can handle it. Nothing to I do with it just holding gold next to it. Well, they, they didn't Trina actually... Like kryptonite. They didn't actually... It was an ingot, Keith. But they didn't. What are they, they what's didn't he kill do? him. They didn't, they didn't kill him with it either. Well, but they were afraid of it, and I just I don't see just, I don't see a cybernetic I was, brain I always that has they would just all ration and reason and no emotion. ration and reason and no emotion to be to, to have that's, this that's weakness. The of, of being oh my gosh, of it's gold. The, 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 the weight of it alone, if you smash it against a cyberman's chest plate, especially you if these do, are invasion cybermen that maybe have a little bit more. I'm sorry, Sean. You could do. You could say that with any form of metal or anything else but they they specifically went to gold because that suddenly has become the kryptonite for Cybermen. That's, uh, I'm sorry that was that I had a huge issue with that but uh, if that was the only issue I had it's a phenomenal story <laughs> the Hulk wears stretchy pants yeah it's kind of one of those situations yeah. Nobody cleans up the museum at night. Get over. <laughs> That's just it. They didn't. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't establish a purpose with the Hulk's pants. They didn't establish a purpose with the museum. They did rightfully say this is why, and then later dropped it. And that's that's that has always bothered me in Doctor Who. That doesn't make any sense to me. But well, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Good story. High really good story. Um, Good finish for Charlie, but also encouraging that it's not the end of Charlie, because I like Charlie. Any, anybody else heartbroken when the doctor gets the message from Charlie? I don't think I've ever gotten teary listening to it, but finished until little, that point. I felt a little bad, because it was a whole different Charlie perspective. It was, it was mad, angry Charlie. It wasn't, I mean, uh, that he had left. It wasn't the, hey, you did have another good time with Charlie that you don't, you're not going to remember, because... Yeah. And just you know, you remember him being mad and then being okay. Hey, you know, and and, and, and Paul's yeah. parting line: "You work in a hotel. You should be used to people leaving." Oh, it's such yeah. a sad. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> just broke. And then credits. And then Charlie's on an island, and I'm like, "Yay!" And she built a broadcast reception <laughs> crystal. Okay, cool. Sure. Why not? I don't recall her picking that one up in any of the aisles, but I'll give it to her. Why not? She, you know, and well, she was still in the future. So, I mean, she never escaped the Cyberman ship. She yeah, floated just, away, just so it's still up. the year 5000. So, who knows, that technology could have been on the island somewhere. But, you know, and then and then the, the TARDIS. <gasps> and I had the same, yay! And then she goes, even though I know how this is going to end. <laughs> I've read ahead, kids. I know where we're going. But it's like, she's going to get to Rihanna. And she opens the door, and it's a different door noise. And I went, no! <laughs> right there! Yeah. And then we're off to something new. I don't know how he felt about it. Right there at the end, it's going to be really hard listening to an Eighth Doctor story that doesn't have Charlie in it because she's been such a fixture that's from this from from, 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 from day one. Yeah. yeah, I would have loved to have discovered this before knowing what I know happens to Charlie because it would have been a really, really incredible moment when they reveal. That was the other thing is uh, so much, so often have I hit the credits and went, okay, I'm done, and shut this thing off. And luckily I didn't. And when I realized there was an epilogue and how they framed it, and then they did yeah. the, you know, the Sixth Doctor theme, we'll say that right now. Um, <laughs> when they did that, I went, oh, wow, I'm so glad I didn't turn that off. And then I had a moment of, 
Oh God! I hope Keith and Sean don't do that. So I texted you both real quick. Make sure you listen to the epilogue. I've, after having sev- after having several instances previously where there is an epilogue, I always check the time. And, oh, is that going to be enough for the music or not? Nope. Extra. Yeah. I'm listening on. <laughs> yeah. I uh, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I just went right out there. Um. God, what was I going to say? You said Charlie and the epilogue and six. Oh, okay. So we end with the six doctor scene, which was awesome. I feel like is 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 it just me? Did I say this on the podcast, or was I just thinking this? That as we've gone through some of these different big finish with these different doctors, that I felt like some of them it was the one component that was missing was the theme song. That it seemed like certain ones didn't have it. Uh, like that we 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 the the, the you know, the Sixth Doctor obviously sounds like the Sixth Doctor theme, and 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 so Se- any same with seven, and the same with seven that it's the Seventh Doctor theme. But I think it was five that just didn't quite have the same. That was like they were using six, and I could tell it wasn't quite the right one. But then lately, it seems like six, they've all been right. I mean, well, but five and six shared the same theme song. You know, different six, no change. Six changed after the first season. It it, it so maybe they, maybe they just switched the, to the after the sixth later. first season. They they. Basically, it's still it's, it's, it's the it's same arrangement, the but, same, yeah. but they've changed it a bit. So it's, it is, does not change for six until his second season. Because I, th- I think I had mentioned one time that the one thing that bothered me was that, that, that hearing that when you hear that theme, it automatically puts you in the mindset of the era. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah. I, I have I have set my internal clock and I'm ready to go. And it seemed like a lot of the early big finish that they weren't quite uniform with which theme was being used with which doctors. And I wondered maybe if it was a licensing thing. No, I don't. Because lately, all the ones we've been listening to have been spot on. I and, and I realized I that with this it. one that like that's I, clearly I the six really doctors. I don't recall that it ever happening. And the reason I don't recall it ever happening is because since day one, I've been listening to Big Finish. I have felt, hey, that's I'm glad they use that theme. It really puts me in the the era. So they've always been the right okay. theme to me. Now I could be wrong, but I I recall I don't ever recall the, the themes changing in the Big Finish, with the exception of listening to Paul McGann's first audio and going, well apparently I didn't have the rights to use the <laughs> TV song, which they didn't. But <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, I, that's that, why that, his that was, is different. Yeah. And his is very Fourth Doctor in my mind, even though it's muted. That's what I think it was—the fourth Doctor muted version. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose maybe a little hint of it, but I, the, the Eighth Doctor's theme—I'm actually very grateful that they came up with a different theme for the Eighth Doctor because if, when you can't use the movie, I'm glad they don't default to anything else. And it really feel—it really sets the mood for the Eighth Doctor stories. Yeah. The, the music right away sets the mood. So. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know. Maybe it's a Doctor Phil question. But it just it just seemed like there were a couple. That it wasn't didn't. until later in the run that I noticed that they were different. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But that could have just been me also not really paying that close of attention to the because yeah, the, hey, I mean, the thing music. Okay, let's go. Like I said, the Eighth Doctor's always had a separate. Yeah. And maybe it's because it was one we hadn't heard before that I latched onto right, it right, more right, than right. The, the others. But I, it just it seemed like it was relatively recently, and I just wondered if that was maybe a rights thing that they had cleared finally with that particular composer to use that, and that from. 47 on, um, they're right. But maybe not. I don't I, know. I don't, and, and I don't know. I think that composers work different than actors and other kinds of rights. I think once the BBC commissions a, a piece, it's, it's theirs. It's, property, there's yeah. no, yeah, it's their property. I'm not sure that it would default anything to the uh, writer, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Or to the uh, composer of the song. 
Now, who, who wrote this one? Do we know? Yes, hold on. Uh, Alan Barnes. Oh, and Alan wrote... Uh, he wrote Sword of, uh, Sword of Brian, I think. No, he wrote Storm Warning. Or Storm Warning. Storm Warning. That's yeah. right, he did. So he wrote R01, so he created Charlie. Yeah. That's what it was. He, he created yeah, Charlie. they brought him back. And they brought him back to finish Charlie. Which, and he in wrote some other very important Charlie stories, including Neverland and uh, in partnership Zagreus, <laughs> as well as The Next Life. So kind of the big yeah. Charlie moments in the series, it's been uh, Alan Barnes. Good, good, good story. I also love the use of the hads. Oh, I know. Such a great use for them. (laughs) I really don't have much else but praise. Yeah. Well, shall we move on to the comics? Yes. Let's move on to the comics. So, 10th Doctor first. 10th Doctor first. Let's start with... We'll start... We've already reviewed issue one. If you recall where we last left our motley crew of characters. What did you guys think of issue two? Gabby. I got to put my, put, my, <laughs> put my head in here and make sure. Um, um, the resolution of the story is better than the setup of the story, which I think I'm finding with a lot of these um, Doctor Who stories. Um, obviously, <laughs> I gave a little sneak peek about the little... Um, Empathic uh, beings that exist and coincide symbiotically with, because we talked about when uh, was a forest of the dead or not forest of the dead for, yeah forest of the yeah. dead when I I said yeah it reminded me of these in the comic and you guys went uh, I think you read ahead because that wasn't in the first yeah. comic oh, yeah. you don't talk about yeah. the little yeah. sprite looking things yeah. so yeah that was <laughs> uh, I'm glad that I, I, I like the 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 idea. <clears throat> Of the monster in this, and how I guess it's sort of feeding off the negativity of the humans, and it's coming through, and and that that it's really kind of this battle between these empathic beings, the little sprite things, and and this, and it, and it, it and sort of comes weapon, through. essentially, right. and, yeah. and 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 I like the whole idea that the the cyclonic washing machines was kind of that gateway to where these things had been basically unleashed. I thought that was cool. Um, I th- I thought, and overall, I like Gabby as a character. I didn't like her at first, but I really like her uh, as we go on, and I think she really kind of got her footing in this one. Yeah, well. I, th- I think it really feels like uh, a squee moment there. Uh, a Did you bit. go? <gasps> <gasps> oh. Uh, <laughs> it, it feels like the Tenth Doctor era, kind of with the kind of long introduction to the new companion and kind of a stretched out bit of a story and dealing with her family and everything. Feels very Tenth Doctor. I don't think sometimes the dialogue was quite on. Um, the art I thought was decent. Not always the best, but not always. Uh, but not bad in it. In any stretch of the imagination. That's comic art, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love Gabby. I love Gabby. She goes from being this very well realized American 
teenager. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of nice for that. Um, well, too. You get the impression she's a teenager? I guess well, she's late, early college. Well, yeah, she, mm-hmm. They talk about her going to college. Um, but the, I, I like the fact that she goes you know, through that kind of progression, and, and, and yet already... That she's, you know, kind of the backbone of the family. That you know, that, that nothing would happen without her being there, and that she's the anchor that everybody relies on, even though she doesn't really want to be. And and which all kind of sounds, I think, vaguely familiar in some way, shape, or form to us. But then, you know, her encounter with the doctor on the subway um, really kind of drives her curiosity more. But not in that shrieking violet kind of way. I mean, again, these are companions for the new millennium. You almost have to give them that automatically. Yes. Oh, yeah. But the fact that she attacks him with a baseball bat. How many other companions can, <laughs> can you know, she actually hit the doctor. Yeah. Now, she oh, thought yeah. he was a monster, but right, she whacked right. him upside the head. Right, right. Now, he had a helmet and everything, but still. And she broke the helmet. <laughs> Donna slapped him around a little bit, but <laughs> we this is assault and battery here, and yet it didn't. You know, really phase the relationship part of it too bad. Um, well, and, and the fact that they, then she later ends up saving the day. Yeah, with the singing and everything was a nice touch too, and was also a nice touch of your song must end at one point. Yeah, which was a nice reminder that okay, we're set. That we're, we are firmly set in the special years. Yes. However, I did have a big problem. Knowing that we're set in the special years, with this particular panel, where it shows the Doctor in pain, and you see a Cyberman, and John Sims in a black hoodie, well. and wrestling with the glove. Which happens post this, prior to his speech. Yeah. I saw that as well. And I there was another shot of the, the John Sims in the hoodie, mm-hmm. in another issue, but not Rassilon. I could almost excuse John Sims. Well, because he had encountered him as Saxon before, but the hoodie automatically ruins it because yeah, that's the issue. As the uh, resurrected master until later. Yeah, I thought the same thing, Keith. I thought, oh, you guys kind of the mixed up here. The the visual references like that are cool, but you got to make sure they're done correctly. And that's what missed opportunity. That's not not a missed opportunity. That's just is it possible that it's a a flash of future? pain that, that, that they're they're hitting him with i don't know i didn't nothing about anything in these monsters gave me the ability the, the thought no. process that they had that ability well, and the dialogue good on, vibes, the, on so. the thing is or we will vibes. consume everything beloved by you yeah see that's kind of uh, that was a miscue i think yeah. um i was a little worried about the story the, the backstory to this one when we get you know these Parasitic, good vibe creatures. Well, not necessarily follow that there are parasitic bad vibe creatures, which is a very Stephen King idea. I was like, <laughs> okay, um, where are we going with that? You yeah. know, and I just I, I was kind of worried that maybe they weren't going to give me enough science. Uh, it was going to be more of a supernatural element, even though they are aliens or resident. You just can't. They're on a different temporal plane. It's like okay, but we're still. You're kind of tap dancing around a little bit, especially with the idea that just the framework of the story is all building up around the Day of the Dead. And I kind of kept going, man, I really hope we're not going in that direction with it. And ultimately, we didn't. 
very glad that we got the I'm going to go across the, the bridge to the other thing and then find out not, not only are these things not necessarily native to this, but this particular breed has been genetically that's engineered. That's what I like, thought yeah. was cool. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought that was cool. There's was the that there, there was the science behind the, you, you, the problem. You, you made me wait until Basically, the third installment it, and then gave me the from, info dump. It went from... Um, uh, what am I looking for? It went from that kind of zombie-esque idea to more of a Frankenstein idea where we've created the yeah, monster yeah. instead of the monster being lumbering and yeah. <laughs> uncontrollable type thing. Yeah, I, that that was a very, very cool touch, I thought. I very pleased, that. by the way, to see the background for uh, the advent calendar for the day that we got Gabby's co- other costumes be the uh, laundromat. <laughs> and then we had the cyclone things. That, were, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of cool. I know I'd bring legacy back. <laughs> and it's very much in the the tenth doctor's. Uh, uh, no, I'm not going to take you on a trip. Well, okay, maybe just one. Feels then, feels very yeah. Feels very tenth uh, doctor. I this uh, is one of the things that I am enjoying immensely. The, the artwork we talked about not necessarily being great, but the way it's oh, laid yeah. out. Oh yeah, I think the tenth doctor's stories. The artwork's been fantastic. Yeah, that's I really like this panel in particular. This this page where Abby or Gabby comes into the TARDIS, and this kind of broken panel thing, and then finally the full blown reveal and uh, the dialogue. It's roomy. Yeah, <laughs> it's bigger in the inside. Okay, I'm, I, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love how they're showing us so much through... I, I think she's got great expressions. Her, her facial expressions are great. She's got wonderful eyes. And I like the fact that they are so... telegraphing mm-hmm. her thought processes. Even if it's not necessarily something that we're covering within the dialogue bubbles. Yes. That yes. it's easy to read they're capturing that. the emotions. Yeah. yeah. And maybe we're, it's because I'm there with her anytime, you know, we are the companion. And anytime that somebody gets in the TARDIS, we're having that moment, even though we've lived it a hundred times now. It's we're right there with It's difficult yeah. to convey body language in a comic book even without exaggerating. And yeah. it feels really natural and they're not exaggerating, but still conveying the body language of Gabby especially. And so I, I, I was very, very, very pleased with, with how that's going on. Now, I will say that you, you talk about the, f- the feel that it's the Tenth Doctor era, and there, there are some things that I think they're doing very, very right. I'm not 100% so like the dialogue's just... Yeah, it doesn't always hit the mark. Not quite there. I mean, it's a Doctor Who comic, but it's not a David Tennant Doctor Who comic yeah, to me see, yet. I, I, and I don't know what I exactly is off. I disagree. I think that they have captured I think they've captured Tennant very well in, in both dialogue and, and look and and feel. So He looks like Tennant. That's great. Um, the next set of stories, we have this... Um, Four and five. I like, the, I like how they set them up with... <laughs> I, the journal and the note is cool, but the font is really hard to read. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, and I kind of liked her journaling and documenting her adventures. And writing it to a friend, which yeah. I thought was kind of yeah, clever, very too. neat. But just unfortunately, and it helps drive home the artist aspect of her. Um, there's there's just there's almost too much of it. I, yeah. I appreciate the attempt, what they were going I was, for here. I was fine if they would have bookended it, but to have as much in between yeah. was a bit much. And really... These two issues were kind of forgettable. Um, I had to go and look to remember, oh, wait, which story was that? Oh, yeah, the artist on the moon. It's kind of, eh. 
So, well, and I think the problem maybe is following up the first pair of stories or first trilogy, if you will. Yeah, it's three. Because uh, it's three issues. But pa- making the, the the leap from dealing with that, where we're dealing with a kind of intangible villain that feeds on emotion, and immediately going into an art where you're, you're, yeah. you're getting block computations, which is not something that the normal person I think right. really comprehends, <laughs> and then you know, kind of the. the rather far out sci-fi notion of that it would have been kind of nice to have a solid died in the wool villain for them to have combated and yeah. then gone to the next existential th- kind of kind right. of concept yeah. yeah this one the first landing where she comes out of the tardis and it's the big two-page spread uh, of this this alien world and she kind of kneels down and is touching the grass, and she's talking about the smells being different. She just starts tearing and crying. Yeah. That, again, is just a knock-it-out-of-the-park moment for Gabby, for me. Oh, yeah. With how, right. you know, righteous that she is. You know, the one thing I can say about the, the artistry of her, like, illustrations and, and writing is it's very Disney. <laughs> very, very yeah. Disney. Her sketchbook. Yeah, her yeah, sketchbook. Her sketchbook yeah. Really, really like this picture. We got a Mikey <laughs> and a Quark and this. Uh, you and mean, uh, Quark. See this, this here, <laughs> this here. That's what David Tennant would look like as the Tenth Doctor in a in a uh, Disney cartoon. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right that is that is that is it right there. He'd look like Milo from Atlantis. <laughs> he looks. Like he, he totally looks like Milo looks from like Atlantis. Milo. Yeah, in that picture. He looks like Milo from Atlantis. So yeah, the, the the second and these uh, these are uh, yeah. under the well, there's, sea. There's, there's a whole bunch of this. There, yeah, that's so, Stitch. Yeah. Definitely. I'll tell you, it, it, I this is my I didn't, this is my despite some of the little nuggets that you pointed out, I didn't like the first part of the second story arc that we, or the first part of the story, the second story that we did. Um, I don't know. I just. It, I think maybe you're right. I think we needed another pacer in between here before we kind of got to this high-minded concept. And I, again, I appreciate the attempt here, but I just I think it falls down. However, that being said, I think the second part of this story I think does a lot better. But I think part of that is because we step away from the sketchbook and 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 write yes. a little more. And once the Mystery is revealed. What's going on here? I think it the the pacing of the story tends to take off because yeah. now we're, we're we're focused because this one does a lot to set up her emotion and what she's going through and what she's seeing and how she's dealing with her introductory to the doctor and how she's trying to convey the personality of the doctor to her friend, which I think is 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 well done. But I think that that just kind of to me kind of takes away from the story a bit. Um, by the time we get to the second one, we finally get into the meat of the story, and there's a lot more story and a lot less of that, yeah. which works for the way that they develop the story and how they've how they've structured this. But it it cuts into my enjoyment of this particular story as a whole because there's such a I don't want to say there's a tonal change because I think the tone's still there, but there is a bit of a structural change. Yeah. And so once we get back into the meat of the story and what's going on, and there's more in the now and less in the little flashbacks of what she's experienced about the Doctor. Then I, I, I kind of like the second part of this story better, but uh, not as good as the first three issues where yeah. we had a really good, what felt like a Doctor Who story. I, I know I go to that a lot, but it just it really felt Doctor Who. This one was 
yeah, we're going to try something a little different, and I appreciate what they did, but it just and not perhaps quite there why yet. this one doesn't quite work as well is so much of Tin's time was modern day Earth, or yeah, it so felt we're, like we're, it, we're, we're and so planet. we're off planet, so it, it <laughs> automatically doesn't quite feel like a David Tennant story. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. It could be. Um, of course, if they had given me, but kudos a, for the taking him off. Play, yeah, cause yeah. Cause they've done more than Russell T. Davis did. I'd, I'd have been well, angry Midnight if we hadn't. Was one of the few. Yeah. Well, in uh, Saint Pitt. Yeah, I mean there were there were there were there were the ones in there, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the 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 Gabby storybook part of it, the, the the notebook, is kind of the comic version of the he's like fire and ice narration, <laughs> you know that, that we're we're getting kind of force fed that. Yes, we know. He's amazing. <laughs> He's yeah, amazing. <laughs> David Tennant is truly amazing. I get it. Truly, truly, truly amazing. I don't want to harp on it, but I will say that the first couple of the little... Did you guys read the little one-page things in the back of those? the... I didn't read those, no. The first couple were really cute and fun and, 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 and a lot of... This one, <clears throat> a rose by any other name, where we have emo, mopey David Tennant, who gets a yeah. cat <laughs> and names it Rose, because... It's like I am so sick of this. The thing is, those are the, the little ones in the back. For me, are hit or miss because they're very meta. They're very oh, yeah. self-referential. They're very tongue-in-cheek, poking fun at ourselves a little bit. And I, I agree. Once we once I got to this one, I went, "All right, these were kind of cute, but I don't know how far you're going to be able to go with these, especially when you're going this direction already." And. Unfortunately, this one has a whole like to be continued thing that it's it, it's like this is going to be the new yeah the arc of that particular little. It's like uh, just let it go, <laughs> let it go. Well, should we move on to the eleventh Doctor stories? Anything else yeah, about these tenth Doctor let's stories? Let's move on to eleven. Let's move on to eleven. Dun dun dun! <laughs> really. Oh, I'm loving the Eleventh Doctor. I really enjoyed them too. Uh, I didn't like the amusement park one. <laughs> I loved the amusement park one. <laughs> um, thought that was kind of lame. Having, nope. having read the I other, I don't like the art. The artwork's the the, very the art done. of the Doctor does not. He looks just weird every yeah, single time. I agree. Doesn't look. They they're not capturing. They, well, they, it's like the artist can't quite figure out what Matt Smith looks like. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, 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 is this even the same artist as the first one? Because I complained about the first one as well. But I, I I like the artwork. Other than that, I, I other than the doctor, I think other than the doctor, I, I like these big panels and it works in this story because of the amusement park feel. Yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong, but not enjoying uh, the look of the doctor. Um, I think he's written very much like eleven. Yeah, that's 11th what doctor. works. I think they I think they that, have captured the character. That's what well. elevates these comics for me is the fact that it feels very much like him and so I can overlook the not so great art because it feels just right. It, it's, it feels so strong that it's not just the, 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 the feel of the Doctor but the voice, the character. I hear these lines coming out in Matt Smith's voice. It's all stuff that that iteration of the Doctor would say. And it's not stuff that they're reaching for. That's the other thing. With the, with the David Tennant comics I felt like oh you've got that line in there. When he's he going on dinging. about, yeah. yeah, when he's going, oh look, I like a thing that dings. Maybe some people don't like dings, and he kind of prattles on about that. And it's like, well, okay, you're you're giving me a David Tennant ism 
But you're rehashing something. But it feels yeah. forced. Yeah. Whereas this stuff very much feels like yeah. Matt Smith no, riffing would, on something agree. and kind of going oh, off yeah. on little things. And the the the. <laughs> We're at the shooting gallery. <laughs> Blam. Uh, sir, you're not supposed to hit the customer service pick. Don't be silly. How am I supposed to win one of the paper targets? <laughs> it's just like, yes. Right there. Yeah. Nailed it. And I. <laughs> the doctor's right. The story's wrong. See, I didn't even mind the story. We've got an amusing. So well, the problem with the, with the big thing in the caves is it's not resolved yet either. Yeah, well that's true. So they're setting it, up something. All, all of these stories feel very much like the the Eleventh Doctor's era, where there's a small plot thread going through all of them. Yeah, which is a nice nice touch to his era. And you're not going to tell me that you who have been to Disney World more than any of us put together never really thought that somewhere underneath the Magic Kingdom's castle was a giant entity <laughs> sucking all of the, you know. No, all the because they stuff. need all the power to uh, power Disney's cryogenic chamber. So, <laughs> The next story, I actually kind of enjoyed a little more. I'm, I'm, I'm liking Alice, too, so far. I am liking Alice, too. Yeah. They've done a good job of really kind of establishing these characters. I like how Alice is still very unsure of what's going on and whether she really wants to be traveling with the Doctor. And whereas Gabby seems a lot more... Um, uh, Tenant fangirl. <laughs> well, not, not even so much that. She seems more... She's, well, she's kind of soaking everything in and really kind of enjoying herself and the ride and the marvel and the spectacle and... Gabby's still really kind of focused. Now, granted, Gabby just lost her mother, and she was having Alice a very... Or Alice was just, had just lost her mother. She was having a very difficult time. Gabby was in a situation that she needed to get out of. She wanted to get out. Right. This, this was the right moment for her. Gabby, while it was sort of the right moment for her to kind of take her mind away from... Alice. Alice, what I was trying to take, thank you. Take her mind away from all of the tragedies she's had in her life. She's still focusing in on that whole kind of inner self instead of that really basking in the beauty yeah. and so Eleven's really having to um, spend more time trying to get Alice to see the, the, the what's happening see the, and, and, and enjoy the beauty and, and, and kind of bring the adventure in and so I kind of like the contrast that we're getting there well, as well and I think one of the things that plays into that is Eleven has a line of uh it's so nice to have someone closer to my age. Yeah. And obviously Alice is older than Gabby. Yes. So I think that age difference is a nice representation. And <laughs> this look <laughs> when she says, oh, that must have been something to see. Ding. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's go see the concert. Of the, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm very much digging the the David Bowie riff. <laughs> I like and then the he David, stuck around. I like the David Bowie riff. I think the character has been really lame, but He's, I think that they're. Th- I think they're doing that on purpose. I think they, I think the character well, has been laid low on purpose so that there's more development for him later. Considering it starts with nobody noticing him, yeah. and that's his ability. His talent is not being noticed. Anybody else is, yelling at their comic book, going, "Um, a guy just wandered into the tarp. <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah, I noticed him. <laughs> but that's also like dinosaurs on a spaceship when they materialize around Brian. 
on the ladder, <laughs> and, and he doesn't realize yeah, it until it's, it's it's completely in in the character of the eleventh Doctor to be so focused on something else that he misses the obvious. But. And the pre quote unquote credit sequence feels very much uh, Crimson Ore. Yeah, or, uh, a little bit. Yeah, or uh, Family Blood, where they're you know in the middle of an adventure that's already happening. Oh yeah, and then we get the here's what happened previously. I was like, oh cool, yeah. and I love the I love it when they do the you know. Okay, this was obviously set in the old old days, way in the past. And then we flash forward and it says earlier. I love yeah. when we get things like that. It's just it's a little thing, yeah. but it makes yeah. me happy as a as a time travel nut. Um I like the fact that we again have this non supernatural element to a supernatural situation. Yeah. That it, well, it, a classic supernatural yeah. story. That Considering Constantine just used the same idea recently on an episode, <laughs> I'm feeling a little tired. <laughs> yeah. What did? Supernatural did? Constantine. Constantine did. Oh, did, I, did the whole sell your soul to the devil for great music. Uh. Yeah. Which Constantine did, or uh, Supernatural did too, but that was long, long ago. Uh, okay. so. I was surprised that uh, <laughs> Bowie made it to the, the, the second... You know, I really thought it would be a one and done, and, yeah, yeah, so and then really he was still there. Too. I was like, "Oh, well, yeah. and, and then when cool. he showed up, I thought back to the statement of where's that other guy from issue two, and thought, "Oh, so that's why." Especially once we start issue four mm-hmm. and that two parter where he ends up being there. Yeah, Jones, I guess is his character's name. It's not yes. David Bowie. Well, <laughs> Dude from Labyrinth turned right. into a bird and flew away. <laughs> It's David Bowie before he got to be David Bowie. I love when he's uh, <laughs> he's writing the song <laughs> in the bathroom <laughs> as things are going going on. <laughs> he's he's just kind of kind of singing what's happening, <laughs> and it's just the the it's so some of the I, things are so I, droll. I and you can tell that it's it's very similar to like Major Tom. Oh, so yeah. he's really trying to he's really trying oh, yeah, here. Totally but you're going, Wow, this is not gonna make a good song at <laughs> This is uh, one of those frustrating things that I, I see panels like this and I think, Wow, this guard is, is great. He's got such talent to draw these little facial expressions of the sad flashback. And then we get to the next panel and there's my goofy not quite Matt Smith again. Yeah. It's like which uh, this one did so a little better. I think the artwork's a little better in this one. Yeah. For for the doctor anyway. We're, we're, it's we're, almost we're you know there. Matt's got such a cartoon face in reality anyway <laughs> that I really feel Maybe like that's that the problem. That's, I think well, they're that's, playing up those that features too much. Up, they're they're making it a little bit, bit too caricature in playing up those features. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I like the fact that he and uh, Alice kind of have this row already. Yeah, yeah. You know, that we're only the, this was the fourth issue and. You know, well, what you am know, I? A stray? You there's, just pick refer- up there's references and- to other adventures too. Yeah, already. you, you, you. Though in this, you sympathize with her and agree with her, but you feel so bad for the Eleventh Doctor because he. It's it's almost like he doesn't quite get it. So you kind of sympathize with him. So you can't really take sides in this large yeah. either because you're like. I can see both sides of this, and so that's that's done really well, I think. Um, unfortunately, this is it, right? We didn't go any further than this, and we've still got a little story to go here. No, no, we resolved is this one. Is this one done? Okay, yeah, I couldn't yeah, remember how this one five ended. resolves it, too. This is our first two-parter. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Really that's right. Okay. Which I thought it resolved itself fairly nicely. It. That's right. I forgot is, about is, the, these things. I, I thought the monster, quote unquote, was pretty cool and <laughs> a little cybernetic. Very. It's it's a monster that's not a monster. I mean, <laughs> that's a Moffat Eleven trope. That's true. That that's true. is used frequently, so it makes sense. I kind of suspected the entire time this ominous being was not actually going to be evil because I know the arrow so well. I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with Serve You Ink and the other the, whatever this big glob of white goo is. Oh, I do like. Oh, we didn't mention. I do like that. What's his name shows back up and doesn't. This is there's an event that has happened before. This is he, obviously this is another yes. time folding back on its itself. Yeah, the, this is obviously their first encounter or his first encounter with them. But they've had he's had an encounter with them before when they meet him the first. The out of order story storytelling that's very common. It was very Bill and Ted. That conversation made a lot more sense this time around because (laughs) we're on this side of it. It's like, ah, I see. Okay, I'm with you now. And I thought that was cool. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm really digging. I'm enjoying them. I think that I'm enjoying 10's run better than 11 so far. But 11 has had a lot of highlights and it's getting better. And so. I think that's working out. Jones's hair is obviously they've had more adventures because Jones's hair gets longer. <laughs> that's true. That bugged me a little bit when there's a jump where you're like, all right, apparently they've been together a lot longer. How than much time has passed? But, yeah. Well, they mentioned at least four different adventures right, in the story. Right. So, I'm I personally am enjoying the Eleventh Doctor's run a bit more than the Tenth Doctor's. I, no, I, I like the first three. Sure, Doctor. But, well, yeah, but I'm on his side too. Yeah. I, I think if, if you don't like. You don't like David Tennant's. No, so. I do like no, you, David Tennant. You, you, you vocally I don't see your, how he could be anybody's doctor. You vocally <laughs> voiced your disdain for Matt Smith and how that nobody, the, the, the fangirls have ruined it for everybody because I mean, David Matt Tennant? Smith so, or David Tennant is so uh, gorgeous. And <laughs> He's the perfect, most perfect doctor ever. Yeah, I mean, that's just. All right, I'm tired of that. but. <laughs> yeah, but I think you're, I'm, I think I'm, you're taking that out on David. I think you're jealous of his looks. I'm sure the fangirls so are, fan are, are probably tired of me gushing all over Paul McGann's voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, they go, Paul who? <laughs> I think it comes down to had who's, issue who's four the eighth doctor? We've only had four. <laughs> <laughs> what are we got coming up on the schedule? Uh, well, coming up on the schedule this week, we've got um, the finishing three parts of Frontier in Space. You were sorely missed. Such a good story. This is a good story. It leads into an even better story. No. That we're no, not going to no. review. Or that we're not going to watch. You're right. We're not going to cover that one. <laughs> Ever again. Because they fly up Charlie and the Chocolate Factory style in the air shift. Um, Speaking of. We yeah, that we have that, that in the Tenth Doctor. Well, the Tenth Doctor story. Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. What? What? you got to tell us what's coming up in the show. I, I was looking for my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> it moved on me. I thought he was confused by the I, glass elevator. So we have one, no, one, I know, one I got left that reference. on uh, Frontier in Space. Frontier and left on Frontier in Space. So we'll be doing uh, episodes four, or five, and six. I like six. to call it Planet of the Daleks prequel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so ready for Capaldi and Draconians and David Warner. <laughs> I, that's what I want. I my head would explode with <laughs> how much I do like the Draconians a lot. Is is cool there. Um and then um 
our show, because we've already reviewed Frontier in Space, uh, our show next week is all four ebooks that are remaining. A little daunting, but not bad, because you can get through those. I'm halfway through. Are you halfway through? I haven't started them yet, but I, I, can, I can get through them, and it seems like about half an hour to an hour for uh, each Yeah, one. it takes me about an hour and 15 on average. So. I guess I'm a faster I'm a slower, reader. Maybe. Yeah, I'm a slower reader. Um, so I'll knock those out this week while I'm at work. Um, but uh, So we have all four of those for, for uh, uh, next time. And then uh, David Tennant drops into Friday Night Who for the next Doctor. Is our Christmas special? So you won't be there for that one. Yeah, hey, I'll be there for that. <laughs> and of course, we're doing that on. No, he actually comes to Friday. The day after. Well, I do now that I'm out of school. <laughs> we actually do that the day after Christmas. I know that breaks all the rules, but it's all Christmas, rules. and you've said that's okay. And then well, we'll Christmas cover. Christmas is okay up until the thirty-first. We'll, we'll cover Capaldi and Santa, and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, in Last Christmas. And I should probably work on the schedule post that. We'll talk yeah, about off mic. Up because I keep looking in the uh, it's not folder there and I go, what, what are we doing? We've decided next year we're just going to make it up as we go. We will, <laughs> in, in true wibbly wobbly traveling the vortex. Who just booted up and we're all going to tweet along to different episodes at the same time. Well, in, in true Charlie and the Chocolate Factory fashion, we're going to review the materials on Friday and have the test on Monday, which means we'll have taken the test before we've reviewed it. Pencils out. <laughs> all right. Uh, obviously, you can find us on all of the regular locations Facebook, Twitter. Be sure to go to our website, uh, travelingvortex.com, and there you can also uh, become a patron supporter. And uh, please, 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 <laughs> please help us out. So and if you have helped us out, thank you again for that. And please make sure you have sent us your address. I am a little bit closer on having the, the, the final run-through products assembled for your fabulous gift of game show proportions <laughs> that will be sent out to you. What was it that Lisa said that she wanted to... She wanted root beer. Root beer, that's right. Yeah. She wanted root beer out of dirt. Um, so there's that. and then that's, that's the problem. That's why they haven't gone out, because Sean keeps having the <laughs> I, Well, I keep drinking the inventory. That's the problem. <laughs> Matt commented, he says, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure we're gonna, this is going to be a good idea, because he says I'm going to spend so much money you know, on root beer. And I said, I think it's a great idea because I'm going to save so much money on gas. Because <laughs> I'm still buying the root beer, but not as it is now, I have to travel somewhere else to get it. So. Um, oh, it just flew away. Where did it go? Send addresses. Uh, send the addresses for the, uh, for the Patreon support and make sure that we have those, please. And then, um, yeah, there was something else, but it's gone. So, once it comes back in the next few seconds, if that's going to be it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. From outer space Can't believe That man takes second place With the ace In control They must run From every beast patrol Who's a friend